Thanks again, everybody, for listening to Diffuse Congruence. This is Zaki, and I'm here with Pervez. Hey, welcome, listeners. Good to be with you again, Zaki. Yeah, so we've started a new endeavor here uh, to enhance the experience that people have listening to Diffuse Congruence. And why don't you give our audience the heads up on that? Yeah, we're really excited about this. We have just launched our Patreon page. So you have a new destination or URL that you can find the latest and greatest about Diffuse Congruence. And in addition to that, you have now the opportunity to participate by not only listening and commenting and being a part of a community of people that do check out the show, but also you get the opportunity to now support the show financially. If you go to patreon.com slash diffuse congruence, you can find out more about how you can be a part of that endeavor. What we really want is an opportunity to increase not just uh, the quantity of output that we are putting out, but also the quality of output that we're putting out. So we're hoping that you out there in the world will be able to help us out by uh, allowing us to upgrade our equipment and as necessary, upgrade our production capability and really make this show the best it can be for all of you out there. You know, I know, Zucky, when you and I started out and, you know, when we put our brains together to kind of come up with the idea of the podcast and what we wanted it to be, you and I, you know, realized that if we were going to be preserving and capturing the stories uh, of the likes of Dr. Omar Farouk Abdullah or Osama Kanin or Imam Zaid Shakir or, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. But if we're if we're capturing their stories, we want to do it in the best form using the best technology available to us. And so, you know, we're only able to do that so much with on our own. And so we thought this would be a great opportunity to allow our listeners out there to kind of contribute by becoming a monthly patron of uh, the Diffuse Congruence podcast. Patreon.com slash Diffuse Congruence. You can find out more about how you can become a patron and and, and what uh, different levels of sponsorship and patronship, if you will, uh, gets you little prizes and little opportunities to be a part of the show. So our goal is to continue the momentum we've had over the last uh, five years. It's hard to believe, coming up on five years now. We want to keep that enthusiasm and that energy going as we expand in new and interesting directions. And the only way we can really do that is with your help and your continued, not only spiritual support, but yes, your financial support too. So we're really hoping you will join us as we take Diffuse Congruence into the next leg of its hopefully lengthy journey. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if I could just add one final note to what Zucky said earlier in terms of what your valuable contribution can do, in addition to allowing us to kind of up our production quality and, and get better equipment, um, you know, we want to we want to get the word out. Uh, so far, again, you know, going on as many years as we as we've been doing the show, it's been exclusively we have relied on essentially word of mouth of our listeners, and um, you know uh, that has gotten us this far, and we're and we're really grateful to that. But I think that with uh, a little bit more investment um, into some advertising and promotional uh, uh, endeavors out there, we can get help. We can help spread the word because uh, Zeki and I feel very confident in the fact that all it is, is a, it's a matter of people li- listening to the show. I think the content sort of speaks for itself. It's really just about introducing audiences to the show. Please do uh, visit patreon.com slash diffuse congruence. Become a patron today and you can become a monthly patron and uh, it'll really help us 
in putting out the best podcast and the best diffuse congruence that we can put out there. So that website, once again, is patreon.com slash diffuse congruence. Sign up to be a patron today and you will start to see the impact of your contribution almost immediately. So thank you once again for supporting us for coming up on five years. And we're hoping we can keep that energy and that enthusiasm coming for a long time to come. Welcome to Diffuse Congruence. This is episode 63 of the American Muslim Experience. My name is Zaki Hassan, and I'm here with Pervez Ahmed. Hey, Zaki. Good to be back. Uh, I feel like we haven't sat together in a while and recorded, so it's always a pleasure to be able to do that. Uh, it is, and it's uh, especially a pleasure this time because of the guest we have joining us. We are here with Dr. Abdullah bin Hamid Ali. He is the founder of Lamp Post Productions and the Lamp Post Education Initiative. He's also the head of Zaytuna College's Islamic Law Program. He teaches family law, inheritance law, business law, jurisprudential principles, and Hadith science at Zaytuna College. He's a lifelong student of the Islamic tradition, being born to Muslim parents, having begun a serious study of Islam in his early teens, and Pervez, we're really excited to have him with us. Always a pleasure, and we've been wanting to have Dr. Uh, Ali on for some time, so uh, welcome, Dr. Ali, to the show. Maybe uh, kind of... Uh well, like we like to say, you know, kind of like maybe take us back to the origin story and where your story sort of begins. Uh, I think you originally are from Philadelphia? Yes, I'm, I was born in Philadelphia. Gotcha. Uh, but I uh, spent my first almost 11 years of my life in Chicago. Oh. Yeah, so my family I moved to Chicago directly. Immediately yeah. after I was born, we moved to Chicago and I, mm-hmm. and I moved back to, we all moved back to Philly in 1984. Oh, wow. So, give you an idea of pretty much how old I am. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I probably okay. shouldn't have said that. You know? yeah. <laughs> Everyone's doing math now. Right, yeah. right, right. So, um, so, yeah, so basically, of course, from that point, I grew up in Philadelphia. And yeah. I, culturally, I guess I would say I'm largely a Philadelphian. Right. You know? Right. I know that becomes a thing. Like, I mean, having someone like Dr. Jackson on, you know, being from Philly becomes a thing. So, uh, just so, a culture. So, what, yeah. what makes one a Philadelphian? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess some of it, some of those things are like, uh, I don't know, love of cheesesteaks. <laughs> That's right. Now, of course, everybody loves cheesesteaks. Yeah. Once you eat them, especially. Um, right. But, but I guess, but, but on a more serious note, I guess... For me in the African American community, I guess the, um, some of the um, distinguishing um, marks of, of someone being from Philadelphia is, I guess, somebody who somewhat likes to rumble. I yeah. guess yeah. that's part of yeah. it, and I think that uh, Philly has that reputation. That's right. Yeah, uh, you know that the, uh, we're not really uh, the uh, city of hardly love, right, notwithstanding. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to back down from a fight. You know. Yeah, and I think we've, we've all seen the intro to Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, on 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 the, playing ba- ba- uh, basketball. On a couple of guys that were <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. You know, but then you can think about going way back to you know uh, Declaration of Independence. You know, yeah, sort of right. uh, the history of Philadelphia. Yeah. Right. Our, so we call us our forefathers, and I guess mm-hmm. that that's culture true. sort of trickled down, right. even though on a, a very micro level. Rocky, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Rocky, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. references. Yeah. 
Um, and then I know certainly there's a rich history of that even within the Muslim community. Yes, right. right? And we've had like, for example, or, um, Dr. Bagby on. We talked about like the Dar es Salaam movement, which I know um, is yeah, which has its has a lot of history in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Now, now, your own personal affiliation and, and sort of connection... You mean Darul Islam. Darul Islam. Darul Islam, sorry. Darul Islam movement. Uh, and we can maybe get into that, but um, mm-hmm. in terms of your own background, I mean, are, are you born into a Muslim family? Because I know your, your your mother was certainly very yes, involved in the right. Imam Wartin community later yeah. on. Well, even before... Even before that, with the nation. My, yeah, my, my, my parents... Uh, all, both of them had entered in Islam via the um, first resurrection, you know, movement, or what we call it now, you know, the, through the early Nation of Islam under the leadership of the, the man who's known as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And once he passed away and his son, Imam W.D. Muhammad, had taken over, they yeah. followed him into uh, mainstream Islam. And uh, uh, my grandmother, my father's mother, actually accepted Islam around that time as well. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> so in that sense, um, when people generally ask me, was I born a Muslim, I usually pause because it's very complicated It's very mm. you know, to, to sort of explain exactly um i say yes and i say no uh i say yes in that naturally if my mother and father were muslim then you know islamic islamic law teaches us that if one of the parents are muslim then you're muslim uh on the other hand um me and all of my siblings we grew up as right more cultural muslims Mm. uh and that um we knew assalamu alaikum um i don't remember ever seen a Quran until perhaps my teenage years. Mm. Uh, I mean, the Arabic language, you know, in the Arabic language, you know, when I first saw one, I just really fascinated about it. And this was in Philadelphia by this time. So I was after, yeah. I was 11. That's right. And I first saw an actual Quran in my life. And so, like other kids in society, we grew up with the, you know, with normal non-Muslim kids. And, you know, we would f- travel to Philadelphia from Chicago every year during the Christmas season. You know, my aunt, you know, she would buy everybody gifts, you know, as so we go there. We didn't, we were still Muslim, but we just would come for the gifts and spend time with family. <laughs> right, of course. Um, watch these, you know, Christmas uh, specials, uh, Rudolph, you know, the Red-Nosed yeah. Reindeer, the yeah. Grinch, uh, Frosty the Snowman, all those things, you know. So Charlie we were Brown. Of right, right, Charlie Brown, that's right, all those things. So, <laughs> right, right. So I think you and I are kind of the same generation. Yeah. Uh, Zucky's a little yeah. bit... A wee younger, but a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so and then um, so both your parents then had come within mm-hmm. into yes, Islam through right. the Nation of Islam, yes. and then later mm-hmm. with the what second resurrection then would be right. with, with the uh, right. Uh, right. With right. Imam Warthi and Muhammad. Right. Right. Okay, um, and then sort of then you um, public schooling, high school. Oh, uh, public school. Uh, yeah, my entire life. Okay. My entire life is in public schools. Gotcha. Um, and uh, um, in my early teens. Yeah. I made a decision that um, I wanted to really be Muslim. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. When is that right. moment of, uh, right. we all, yeah. Yeah, exactly. People yeah. even born in the faith, right? right. You have that moment right. of, an, of an epiphany or a process. And, and, and how, how did you get there? Yeah. Well, I, I think that the, what led to it had a lot to do with the fact that um, as we were growing up, um, the only person in my, in my household that used to pray was my father. Mm. Uh, and we just knew there was a time, you know, that everybody had to be quiet. My father would go in this room, he would, he would make salah. Um, and so he and my mother got divorced, and years later, um, you know, living with my mother. And when we moved to Philadelphia, I eventually I was a break dancer. So I uh, was part of a group that we were going around the neighborhood battling different other groups. And and so one particular day, right. we were battling this one group who had a number of Muslim Sunni Muslim uh-huh. members of their group. Um, while we were out there, the mother of the of the house had. 
had heard that I was a Muslim, so she invited me in. Okay. And when I went in, I saw them making salat. Yeah. And I said, you know, that's what my father used to do. Mm. I remember my father mm. doing that. Uh, and eventually, I actually saw an actual Quran with the Arabic, and I said, like, "Oh my God!" I said, like, "What the heck does that say?" Yeah, you know, yeah, I was really true. fascinated with the with the very fact that that actually was a language. Right. Um, and um, eventually, I, I started to learn basic things about wudu and salat, and then I I went to the uh, the masjid eventually, and I actually did take my shahada. Okay. Right. So that's what I say, oh. like you know, yes and no. You know, right. so I was yes, Muslim. Are you were you born a Muslim? I say say yes. You know, and at the same time, I feel like no because it wasn't a conviction, of course, okay. uh, in that sense. You know, but it, it developed into a, a conviction, and I guess I would say my path of learning sort of started there in my early teens, and then uh, you know started to read more. English books, and then I started to study Arabic um, on my own. I actually tried to teach myself Arabic uh, through, you remember the book, is there used to be a book, blue book called Easy Tajweed. Right. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there was, at the beginning of it, there was a section that had the Arabic alphabet okay. on it. You know? So I started to just write out the Arabic alphabet, like mm-hmm. 15 letters, 15 times for each letter. Mm-hmm. And within about two weeks from me starting that, I found a, a teacher, an Arabic teacher. He was from Eritrea. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, we called him Imam Barra. He was a local um, traveling teacher. Teacher, you know, who right. studied in Egypt, okay. you know, originally from Eritrea. <clears throat> and he was giving um, um, classes at Clara Muhammad School in Philadelphia. Okay. So we would go there twice a week, right. um, study with him. Uh, and then eventually I would transition to my other teachers in the city right. and sort of goes up and right, right. from there. Now, I mean, yeah. you're, you're certainly not the first guest we've had who's had either, uh, in, like, is originally from, and we've alluded to Dr. Jackson, but, like, we've had other guests on the show whose stories intersect. Mm-hmm. So there's the, uh, what, State Street Mosque? Is that, is that, am I... Um, well, no, probably you know, the State Street Mosque in Philly. I'm assuming that probably we call the Islamic Center, the, uh, right? Philadelphia, right. Uh, the Islamic Center. Where I Philadelphia think like Dr. Jackson takes the Shahada, and right. Dr. Right. Omar, that kind of. Yes, that's yeah, yeah, that, that? that's for them and their generation. Yeah, but by the time I <laughs> yeah. was growing up, it was already closed down. Oh, okay. yeah, mosque, that's okay. that mosque had been closed down by the time I had uh, to become more active in the masjid. Okay, understood, mm-hmm. understood. And then, uh, so the, yeah, so, so you encounter a Quranic teacher, and you're now um, studying the Arabic language, um, and 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 like you said, you even take your shahada, so now you're fully practicing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then, what then sort of propels you to, or compels you to want to? Go abroad, study. I mean, is this mm-hmm. under after undergrad, mm-hmm. during undergrad? I'd love for you to talk about that. Well, do you go to school in Philadelphia, like for? Yes, I, I was. In, I was in. Well, it's again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please. Um, so, yeah. so I, I'm learning. Yeah. And I developed a a knack for Arabic. I guess you would say the Arabic for me was much more just a. It was a hobby. It was something I just liked to do. Mm-hmm. I was interested in in um, knowing what people were saying and. One of the reasons I really wanted to learn Arabic because I started to get tired of people telling me, um, like I remember one particular issue was the matter of whether or not we should pray Juma, you know, mm-hmm. you're right. so after and Dhuhr as well, you know. Yeah. So some people one one time people say, oh, pray Dhuhr after you pray Juma, you know, and then sometimes oh no, you don't have to do it, mm-hmm. and I just got tired of being told different things, you know. So I said I'm going to start studying you my own. So I, right, right, right. Exactly. So I started to. Um, focused on Arabic, the Quran. Um, um, had my other teachers, and so so public schools with the high school. Uh, and after high school, I didn't go directly into college, yeah. but 
Um, I was just simply working in the community. I would sit. At, I actually did security at one of the schools, local schools. Mm-hmm. I would sit at the desk and I would study my Arabic. And people used to always tell me, "Oh, you should go overseas. You go overseas. Yeah, you go overseas." Yeah. Right. And, and I just really wasn't interested in it. I just, okay. I just wanted to know what a law says, and that's it. Uh, and then, um, and then uh, eventually, I decided that okay, I'm going to ask, follow this advice. And mm-hmm. I started to consult people. And people said, "Oh, you should go to Saudi Arabia. Oh, you should go to Egypt." Mm-hmm. And I said, "I'll go." And I just said, "Oh, whatever, wherever you tell me, I'm going to go." But then yeah. they would change their mind. Oh, you shouldn't go here because of this. Right. You know. So, so eventually, I just got tired of that, and I decided, well, you know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Egypt. So I got together with the, uh, there were some older brothers who bought me a one-way ticket to Egypt. And my plan was to go to Azhar University, and I was going to walk up to the door, and I was going to knock, tot, tot, tot. I'm here, I want to study. Right. Right. That easy, and they just open up and say, well, here you go, here's the classroom. Right. Yeah. So, so but, but one day before my departure, uh, and one of those brothers who was advising me, he came to my house and he took me out and he sat in the, sat in the car with me for about an hour trying to convince me not to go. Mm-hmm. I said, you're going to starve. Nobody has no support. And I said, no, I'm going to go. Peace of me, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but um, eventually um, I came in and I decided not to go. But immediately after that, I registered for Temple University uh, into computer science. So I said, you know what? I just listen. I didn't want to do this anyway. This is yeah. your idea. I'm right. gonna. I'm just gonna go get me make some make some money and get married, and you know that's it. You know. <laughs> so so I started um, my major in computer science, and I think it was 1995. Um, I was focused the first year. Uh, the second year of my studies, I I got uh, um, I discovered the Arabic section of the library. Oh wow! <laughs> right. So I found myself spending more time. You know, yeah. studying, looking at these Arabic books that I start to regress or so fall behind in my my computer science studies. Right. And it wasn't really what, what was in my heart anyway you know, to right. begin with. And it wasn't what was in my Because 95, you're probably like having to take like COBOL and... <laughs> right, right, yeah. This right, is before, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Basketball. C+. Plus, C+, <laughs> plus was cutting edge. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Right, because that's around the time I'm doing the same thing at undergrad. So. Oh, really? I my own background. <laughs> yeah, computers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you now... You're at Temple. Yeah. I, I can't help but ask, like, yeah. I mean, because just knowing the, the history and the mm-hmm. timeline. Dr. Blankenship is there? That's right. That's right. He was there. And this is where... I meet him. I meet him. Ah. Uh, it wasn't the first time I met him. I met him actually at a at a earlier um, youth conference. Okay. You know, but as a teacher, yeah. I met him at you know at uh, Temple University. So I started to take alongside my computer science, Arabic, and Islamic studies classes. Yeah. So I was taking some graduate courses with him. Nice. <laughs> and um, Dr. Mohammed Ayub is there. Dr. Mohammed Ayub was there as well, right? Actually, he I didn't take his focus was Quran more than history. It was Quran, right, and Sufism, right? So I did take. I had one lesson with him, you know, when I was there. Like it was part of Dr. Khalid's his his course. You know, he had a you know a a a guest teacher. You know, Dr. Mahmoud came in and talked about Sufism and and Shiism. Mm-hmm. So, um, so at any rate, you know, so I'm, I'm with him, and eventually we started to have private classes in his office as well. But, excuse me. We developed a bit, a bit of a close relationship, and uh, eventually, I, I decide one night while I was at work because I used to be a security guard at a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, and I used to work the night shift. And um, I was listening. I was actually listening to uh, one of Sheikh Hamza's old uh, lectures. Uh, Alhambra Productions on cassette? No, no. I can't remember if it was. I don't think. I don't know if I got it directly from them. Right. But I had a copy. Gotcha. Or something. However, yeah. I got it. Black, black market. The other way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
But it was a lecture I had actually heard about two or three times before that, but it was called The Prerequisites of a Mushtahid. And she, she comes with this on fire. Yeah. And, um, and it was the first lecture I heard of his that really made me like him because I heard him prior to that and he was just much more subdued. And I was like, this is what, yeah. So, uh, but then he was just really on fire. And while I was there, that 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 morning, I guess you would say, going into the early morning, I right. just I said, you know, who am I fooling? Right. I might as well just go overseas and just do what's already in my heart. Right. So the next day, I went saw Dr. Khalid Blankenship, and I asked him, I said, you know, where do you think I should go? Yeah. And so he said, well, we don't know anyone who studied in Morocco or studied in the Caribbean, so That's right. maybe you should go there. Right. You know, so I said, okay, I'll do that. Mm. You know, so I visited in the summer for two weeks just to check right. out the uh, the terrain. Right, uh, right. Then. You know, I've visited the Wizarat Oqaf and I speak to the Katibaham, the sort of general secretary. Okay. And he told me, you know, I had my letter of recommendation from Dr. Khalid because they, they knew him because they had invited him for the King's lessons in the past. So they told me, if you come back in September, you'll be uh, matriculated. Don't worry about it. Right. You know, of course, it didn't happen just like that. But, right. you know, Got that's it. How, I, how it started. Now, even prior to that, yeah. I mean, I would just want to pause before mm-hmm. we get there. Um mm-hmm. What's your own personal affiliation then at this point with the Imam Warthin community? Have you kind of felt that it that that you had grown past it, grown beyond? Yeah, yeah, largely. I mean, okay. it was it wasn't okay. something. Even though my mother and father were well, my father more so than my mother, I would say, it was, yeah. it was definitely very committed to the community. Yeah. And my father actually used to give me a lot of his books to read, and 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 um, you know, but I, I never felt. Um, the sense that I, um, that I was compelled, yeah. you know, or I guess you say I'm trying to use a, 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 the right word, but you know, I was compelled, felt compelled by anything or anything that would lead me to say that I had to come out publicly and declare my allegiance uh, to 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 the Imam, yeah, may Allah have mercy on him. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, around that time as well, there was just a lot of a uh, lot of different ideological tendencies that were in the oh. community. You know, Salafism was on the rise. Uh, there was a lot of um, anti-W.D. Uh, uh, Muhammad oh, sentiment yeah. as well in, in the black community mm. around the time, uh, of course, outside of the, the followers of the Imams. Certainly, as well. certainly. Right. And so and even among a lot of our prominent Imams there, yeah. you know, alhamdulillah, reconciliation has occurred, you know, but back then there were a lot of things discouraging us from following Imam W.D. Muhammad. And as a matter of fact, there was a one someone who wrote a book anonymously, had written a book around that time called um, Imam W.D. Muhammad, Federal Agent of the Government. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I'm like, well, we don't even know who wrote the book, right? You know, but people still, they, you know, yeah. they, they gravitated towards it because it kind of, it um, affirmed their own biases that they already had towards the Imam. Um, and of course, now we know that the Imam was largely before his time in a lot of ways, right. um, nationally, both among the African American and the um, the immigrant, we call the immigrant community, yeah. um, there was a, as we know, there's a sentiment sort of um, about, you know, America is not a legitimate country to live in. Sure. Everybody has to make hijra. It used to be trying to get khilafah. Right. You know, all those type, all of, that that type of talk as well. Right. All right. And um, Part and parcel of 90s right. Islam, as I like to say, right. yeah, or Islam in America. Right, right. Yeah, you yeah. can't call yourself American. Right. Uh, all those different things, you know. And he was, Muhammad was like, you know, we're American Muslims. Yeah. You should vote. You should participate in American society, mm-hmm. and 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 it and it seems interesting that like right now, not many people really give him credit. That's right. You know that he do because everybody's flag waving flags and you know, all types of things nowadays. Where you know, that's and of course right. he wasn't necessarily about waving the flag. That's right. Uh, at least that's not the way I interpret him, but. 
um, but he would definitely um, um, he had, he was he had a, a lot of forethought, you mm-hmm. know, and I think a lot of wisdom that sure. uh, wasn't appreciated when he actually um, articulated it. You know. Yeah, at the time, yeah, that's yeah, right, that's right, and 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 notwithstanding, like notwithstanding, just the, the the kind of like you said, the uh, influx of like the Salafi Dawa that was coming in. I'm sure some of the influences of the immigrant community mm-hmm. with the Tablighi Jamaat and whatnot, which. Right. Also found some mm-hmm. uh, following within the African American community in particular. Right, right. Well, Jamaat, well, Jamaat, yeah. well, not so much to the Jamaat to believe. Okay. You know, I mean, that definitely Philip. there was definitely that contingent. You right. know, there's people who went in that yeah. in that direction. Some people went in the direction of the Sufi sort of Mazhabi direction. Ah. You had those. There are minorities among us, yeah. you know. But like, I think that largely the uh, the effects of uh, like the um, Ikhwan and, and sort of like oh. the Modudi type of um, um, the readings of Modudi and his even type in the African American yeah. yes right indeed yes. really and there's no doubt I mean uh-huh. I grew up you know I mean and you know Modudi was was, was major you know in our in our community Sayyid Mind Kutub, use, Mind even use. like Kutub, yeah, right yeah. Kutub, uh, uh, interesting Modudi. Okay. yeah, yeah right. <laughs> interesting interesting okay um, and then uh, how about like as you mentioned, like sort of Sufi movements as well. So are we talking about like uh, uh, the Sankori Institute? Uh, Who am I? No, the Muhammad Sharif. Yeah, no, 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 this was before Sheikh Muhammad Sharif became um, known in our community. This is uh, when I speak of the Sufi communities. You have basically two. For instance, in Philly, you're talking about either those who are followers of. Um, Sheikh uh, um, um, uh, Abdul Qadir Jinnah, okay. you know, you know yeah. not the famous Jinnah, but the Pakistan, ah, yes, yes, Pakistan. Yes, that's right. Imam Jilani's, uh, um followers that's from right. the Jamaat al Fuqara, mm-hmm. um, and then you had the followers of Bawa Mahayyadin, you know, who was the oh. Sri Lankan um, yeah. mystic that um, uh, built the Bawa Mahayyadin Mosque in, in uh, Overbrook, uh, the Overbrook area of Philadelphia, oh. which actually was. Um, both, but, but there were Jews, Christians, and Muslims who actually all together built that masjid. Interesting. Right, you know, so he was, uh, yeah, he was a uniting sort of figure for those people, right? So they were minorities. That's the stream we really right. haven't covered on the show, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's fascinating history there as well. Um, so anyway, sorry, going back to where you were. Uh, now you're admitted into, uh, okay, yeah, uh, Now, if I'm not mistaken, you're the first American to be. I'm. I'm the first. Westerner there you go. to graduate from the College of Sharia. There, right, okay, that's right. Uh, right of right, right. Um The first American, yeah. right, the first Westerner to yeah. of any of the colleges, you know, that we're familiar with is Sidi Abdul Hadi at Honorkamp, who teaches at Georgia Tech. Really? Okay. Right, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's yes, yeah. Pretty tall, yeah, 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 white yeah, yeah. man. I am. Right. He's very humble individual. Yeah. You know, really, he's very right. lovable. Yes. Right, and um, you know, so he studied in Marrakesh. You know, because you have see the Karbiyin. There is the old the traditional school, which is in the Meshid itself, the Central Mosque, Jam. Okay. And then you have the the newer um, schools, which were um, established or founded like in the early fifties. Right? Yes. So there are a number of colleges. You know, there's the, um, the College of Sharia, which you can find in Fez, and there's another one in Agadir. There's Kuliyat Usuluddin, which is in Tetuan. There's the Theology College, mm-hmm. and then there's Kuliyat Lugha, the language, language College, which is in uh, Marrakesh, okay. at which Sidi Abdul Hadi studied. Ah. <clears throat> so he he he's graduated the, uh, the language college. Mm-hmm. I graduated from the Sharia College in Fez. In uh, Fez, right? Yeah, 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 right. That's right. So. So basically, um, um, those the newer colleges are, of course, set up more along the lines of the more modern uh, uh, modern colleges. Um, so, I, but I did do studies in both. I did studies, uh, of course, my degree is from the modern college, right. you know. But I did spend time with the in the old the old the, the okay. central mosque itself. I would go on weekends and study with some of the mashayikh there yeah. in some of the, in, in attend some of the circles. 
And in particular, there's one scholar that um, that I developed a very close relationship um, from the uh, traditional school was Mufti uh, Muhammad bin Muhammad who, who passed away back in 2015. Mm. It was like one of the major muftis of, of Morocco. Mm. You know, so I used to visit him his home. We would study uh, and also Fiqh as well in the circles with the students who study there as well. And um, and uh, and there were others, other right. teachers there as well, naturally. That's right, that's right. And how long how long were you there in total then? In, in uh, for my studies, I just I did the four-year program. Okay. It was a four-year um, Ijaz or Young, um, which... You know, we generally say five, four years is like a BA, but it's probably more like an MA. I would, I would, I would contend. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a thesis and a lot of this is a really very intense program. Mm. Um, but at any rate, you know, it doesn't matter. Just like considering bachelors, and, you know, <laughs> right, right. Matter. Now, did you focus on any particular like within Sharia? Like, was it the Maliki mm-hmm. school? Of, for example, well, yeah, Morocco is a Maliki. That's right. It's a Maliki That's country. Right. So, but are there options to study non-Maliki? Yeah, I mean, you can. Okay. You know, you can study uh, other than the Maliki school there, right. but the uh, the country is is very um, committed to its Malikism, <laughs> right? The, the ulama generally are very committed to the to the Malikism. You come across Salafi yeah. scholars there. Uh, there are some humbly scholars. As a matter of fact, one of my uh, my um, my classmates who was a humbly called himself a humbly. And there was one who was a Jafari. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the Humbly uh, student who, who used to always say that, you know, that the, 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 the Humblies, they are the people of the Sunnah. They are. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was yeah. very, like, uh, right. dogmatic about yeah, it. Right. <laughs> right. right. His Humblism. Right. Right. <laughs> he was Moroccan. Mm. So, but, but in terms of the, um, uh, in terms of, like, study of, like, things like, we have a comparative law, you know, okay. comparative, comparative uh, Fikhul Muqadim mm-hmm. was one of our courses, you know, so you study the different variations that I had there, right. um, especially in areas of do like penal code, mm-hmm. um, study the, um, in the, uh, um, in, in the uh, inheritance law, you know, family law, uh, there are a number of areas you can have that, how that come, it comes up, and so um, there is some diversity uh, yeah. there, but there, you, you, you don't, Everybody knows you. You there's no um, uh, the average Moroccan themselves will tell you that we're Malikis. That's right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. so, okay. so they're very proud of their, their right. Malikism. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. it, any encounters with with with, with, with uh, like Americans that were kind of sort of coming in and out at the time? Mm-hmm. I mean, at that time, mm-hmm. we're still talking. Okay, so like Sheikh Hamza was he mm-hmm. in Morocco? Well, the first time I met Sheikh Hamza was in Morocco. Okay, yeah. Right, so in 1998, the Rihla. I figured. The actually was was in Morocco, in the Qarabiyin. Right, Uh, right, in in the Masjid itself. And uh, Sheikh Hamza had brought the contingent of students there, and the Moroccan scholars in the the Wizara, the ministry, actually decided that, that, uh, you know, no, no one's teaching here in this Masjid except for the Ulama of Morocco. Mm. Right, so they took over the Rihla and, and pretty much said, "Listen, you know, we'll teach." While you. it was going on, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So you would teach, you translate, right? You know, but they also became hosts as well. So yeah. basically, what they did is that they gave room and board. Mm. They were feeding the students as well. They took people, students on tours. So they kind of just sort of took over the entire program. And, right. and so, in the midst of the uh, all the those alterations happening, I happened to be visiting the the masjid one day. Sheikh Hamza saw saw me and. And found out that I was studying there as a student. He asked me to help translate, you know, one of the circles, you know. So, so I was translating the circle for Sheikh Muhammad Tawil, mm-hmm. <laughs> with my yeah. teachers, you know, in Aqidah and in uh, it was Aqidah and Fiqh. Okay. Right? So they were reading the Ibn uh, Mushrik Ibn Asha. Ibn Asha. So, um, 
so that was my first uh, encounter, the first experience of, of meeting Sheikh Hamza was right there in Morocco. Okay. Uh, the um, what's interesting is that the first four months or five months I was there, yeah. the only time I would speak English was on would be on the weekends, and that's usually uh -huh. where I would go to the post office to call my mother. Um, outside of that, it was just Arabic the entire time, right. and I actually it was only about again like fifth month when I encountered any Americans right. or anybody who was an English speaker mm -hmm. you know I visited the American Language Center there Aleph Institute and I encountered some Americans and, and then from that from that point on but while I was there I mean a number of people come through of course uh, uh, Mamzade right? as a matter of fact Mamzade came through from Syria during his final year mm -hmm. and he pretty much dropped this whole library off at my apartment <laughs> mm -hmm. so a whole year all of his books were right there nice. in my apartment nice. you know, and so then he eventually went back to Syria for the exams he came there to study Quran okay. uh, and then he went uh, uh, during the exam, exam times to Abi, Abi Noor Mm -hmm. um, Sheikh Jihad Hashim Brown came through okay. for a little while uh, and he spent about five days with me and then he went down south and was studying school, school texts mm -hmm. uh, Sheikh Ramzi Ajim from Canada from mm -hmm. Toronto um, as well he was a friend of mine hey, we, we, we crossed paths there you know some other people as well okay. you know, so okay. there are a number of people that I, that, I, that I ran into but I was the only person right. who was studying in the Kudia that's in, in right the college. in the college yeah sure so four, yeah. So four or five years. Are you married at the time? No, yeah, no, okay, no, okay, okay, no. Okay. And then, are you coming back to the United States in and out, like during the holidays and whatever? Yeah, I came back twice. Okay, okay. Yeah, I returned twice. So, right. uh, so after my first year, then uh, after my third year, I believe. Okay. But then, uh, yeah. yeah. So then, once you graduate, you return to the states. Yes. Uh, okay. Right. And you're back in Philadelphia. Yep. I went straight oh. back to Philadelphia. Didn't know why I went. To, what, what I was going to do for for money. Or I was going to ask. Like, like right. so, what yeah. what then? I mean, well, the thing was interesting about it. Thing about it was that I was leaving. My original plan when I was actually leaving to go to Morocco was that I was going to come home in the summer and save up money. I was going. Could I ask my supervisor at the hospital where the security? While I was doing security, I asked him if it would be okay if I came home and worked. Mm -hmm. It would be possible to work in the summer. He said, "Yeah, no problem. You come back and you can, you can, you can work." And so I was going to save up money and then go, and I was going to live in the dorms with the students there. Uh, but one week before I left, there was a a group of people who had come to to me in South Philadelphia who were parts of the um, we call the United Muslim Movement like, like not United Muslim Mosque in, in South, South Philadelphia which actually was built and established by uh, Imam uh, Luqman oh. well Amir Luqman yeah. uh, um, uh, Kenny Gamble who people know as Kenny Gamble, yeah. you know, who is, yeah, I don't know if you've familiar. I, I've heard well, the name. Well, Kenny Gamble, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you you just look him up later. Well, okay. Kenny Gamble is pretty, alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed him, you know, immensely. You know, he's he, he's, he, he got his fame through music. Hmm. Uh, he's famous for uh, a number of songs. There are a number of songs, you know, Mrs. Jones and others. I mean, so he'll produce these songs. And, hmm. and, but he also is involved in real estate. So he built this masjid, and so he and people who worked with him came to me and said they were going to offer me like a like a scholarship, mm. you know, while I go away. You know, said they said they said they liked me, right. and uh, they um, uh, were, um, you know, pretty much agreed with the things they heard me say when I gave my khutbahs and things like that. So they wanted to support me. Yeah. So I didn't have to stay in the dorms. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I I just um, actually got my apartment when I when I went there. So, um, but um, yeah, so basically. Uh, it sort of starts like that, uh, and how I ended up um, uh, getting my support. You know, so I was connected with that community. There's yeah. another community which was had merged with the United Muslim Mosque or United Muslim Movement called Kuba Institute, mm -hmm. which is really my home 
mosque, my home school. So once I finished my studies with Imam Barra from Eritrea, yeah. I then started to study with uh, the... Uh, prior to even going to Morocco. Right, exactly. So, yeah. so, so basically, I mean, I had already studied in the U.S. for a solid, like, seven years. Yeah. You know, I had been fluent. I was already fluent in Arabic. Arabic. Yeah, like that, you know, so prior to leaving to go to Morocco. That's right. Uh, and uh, you know, I was studying books with Dr. Khaled Makership in his office. We were reading nice. books in Arabic. And and so I, w- I was already prepared. I had already memorizing quite, memorized quite a bit of Quran. Mm. Uh, so... So my earlier teachers, my Quran teachers, uh, Imam Anas uh, Muhammad and Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Anwar Muhammad, who were at the Kuba Institute, um, I studied Quran with them, among other things, right. in Arabic, and then eventually uh, the university level, then eventually goes, I go to Morocco. Uh, Dr. Jackson, anywhere in the picture here at this point? No, I know. You don't, no. you don't cross paths yet. No, well, yes, we did cross paths. Okay. We crossed paths um, while I was I was still helping out at Cuba. Uh-huh. Dr. Jackson was invited uh, for one of their fundraisers, and they came and he spoke at one or two fundraisers, and that's when I had my first introduction. Had he already Jackson. left Pennsylvania? No, like no, I mean, you pen. No, no, oh, no, he was gone. He, he was, was gone. Yeah, he was okay, gone. That's so, why I didn't know him. Ah, uh, got it. So he, while he was studying at UPenn, yeah. you you didn't encounter him. No, I didn't encounter yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, okay. just, I would have been too young. I mean, to, to even oh yeah, that's right. And, and, and remember too, I might have even been in Chicago at the time. Oh, that's right. Because right. what I understand I is Dr. Jackson, right after he converted to Islam, because I think he converted in '78. 1978, he converted. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's so right. So I would have been to Chicago, right? Yeah. So, ah. he, so right after the conversion, brothers were telling me he went straight into university. He, he we, worked for a few years. Just and I only, the only reason I know that is because he, we've had him on the show, and he talked about working for a few years, uh, and then decided to go back, and I think started at Temple, and then eventually transitioned mm-hmm. to UPenn, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where um, uh, MacDesi was. Yes, right, George, right. George yeah, MacDesi, right. George MacDesi, mm-hmm. who becomes his sort of advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, interesting. So then, um, and then, so now you're back and in in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got the Cuba, the the, the Cuba Institute mm-hmm. that's sort of supporting you, or yes. you've got some work that you're doing there. Yeah, I mean, right. functionally, well, ma'am of the community. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Actually, I didn't ask you a question, so yeah. no, <laughs> I, I'm glad you came back yeah. to this. But like, what happened when I came home? I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, so I was right. gonna I was gonna go back to my security job. You know, I, I wasn't. I didn't care. I said, listen, you know, I learned. I studied the dean. I'm going to go back. If I have yeah. to go back to the security, I'll do that. But when I came back again, my former teachers said to me. Listen, you know, we don't have a lot we can offer you, but, um, you know, we want you to come and, and to teach here, here at our school. So I started to teach uh, Quran, Fiqh, Akidah uh, at the uh, at the Kuba Institute. I would teach from any, from ages three, I mean, from third grade all the way up until high school. Okay. All right. So I had a number, a lot of work that I did, you know. So I did that for, for a year. Uh-huh. And at the close of that year. What year well, is this, by the way, that you're back from Morocco? Yeah, I came back. I came back 2001. Right. Oh, so I returned okay. 2001 at post September 11th. Right, yeah, right, oh, right, yeah, yeah. right, yeah, right before you know, no, actually pre September oh, 11th. Yeah, okay. I came back in August and September 11th was wow. right the next month. Right. And I remember um, even brother calling me and to wake me up about this. He said, Turn on the TV, I sat down, and it was just like so unbelievable. I don't believe that I got up from my chair for three hours, three or four right. hours. I was just glued to my chair. It's like so unbelievable that that, that was right. happening. Um, but at any rate, um, so I, I came back, and so this is 2001, and so I taught for a year. Okay. And uh, before the close of that year, I received an offer 
by um, uh, there was a, a imam's position that opened up in the one of the state prisons in Chester, Pennsylvania. Um, the former imam was a Palestinian or well, Lebanese, I'm sure, Lebanese. Imam uh, chaplain. Well, cha- well, yeah. one chaplain. Yeah, it was right. chaplain. It was Got pretty it. much right. Was, right. You know, because they have like it was a full time position. Oh, you okay. know, and um, right. and the prisons in Pennsylvania in general, they 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 have a general rule that they have to hire a full time Christian chaplain, usually Protestant, and a full time Muslim. You know, chaplain. Just given right. the population the state, the size, right, right, of- exactly. Inmates. Right, exactly. Right. Wow. So, you know, of course, then you have your volunteers, you have your contract, you have right. others who are underneath them. You know, so it was a full time position. And I wasn't thinking too seriously about it at first, you mm-hmm. know, but I said, okay, I have a look at it. And I, look at it. I put the application down for a little yeah. while. And then after a while, I filled it out and I sent it back in. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I started to think seriously about it and I went to the interview and um, found out later that the warden, you know, loved me. And she was like, you know, so but people told me as soon as she walked out the door, she said, you know, that's our man. That's our man right there. <laughs> right? So, mm-hmm. And so I started this work and I did that for for five years. Yeah, I did that for five years and it was, it had its challenges, you know, but it also yeah. had its, its very, um, its high points as well. Right. Uh, and towards the end of that, 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 for the fifth year, I started to cons- reconsider what my future I actually was looking for other work and and I started to think about potentially going back overseas uh, to try to find some work I looked into like the people like like the Qatar Foundation and there were other other uh, possibilities and I remember I saw that Dr. Jackson was on the board of the Qatar Foundation and I called him he didn't answer but I left the message for him and uh, so he didn't call me back to about maybe four or four days later but but the very I think it was the very next day after I left that that message, I got an email from Imam Zaid, who's mm. already out here in Zaytuna. Yeah, and he says to me, "What do you think about um, coming out, moving to the Bay yeah. for a couple of years with the plans to move back to the East Coast afterwards?" And I was like, "Well." Okay, let me think about it. You yeah. know? So then we got into other details, and eventually I accepted the offer. You right. know, but, and at that time, it was yeah. what, for what? The Zaytuna Institute? Well, still Zaytuna Institute. But they were doing like the beta program? Was that? Well, yeah, yeah. exactly. Right, okay. exactly. The, uh, the, uh, the, seminary, the seminary program was... Was, was, was starting off. Right. Well, actually, no. It was no. already going. Oh, it was okay. going. It was probably... It was, it was finished third year. Started just started its fourth year. Mm-hmm. Just started its fourth year, from what I understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came at the right in October okay. of 2007 for that. And so I was started off teaching the um, there were five students we had at the time who graduated the mm-hmm. following summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was teaching um, uh, Hadith and mm-hmm. Tawheed and, and uh, all sort of right. uh, to those students. You know, so I mean, my title at the time was just scholar. And how many students scholar. were part of that? Initial batch. Initial, I think it was more. I think it was more like ten. Ten. Yeah, right. originally. And yeah. it was still in Hayward. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. well, well, well. When I came, it was in Berkeley. Now, so what happened is that you know, so they had just left Hayward in the oh, summer, okay. that summer two thousand seven. Yeah. And they had already moved to Berkeley, and there was a small office that Zaytuna had been utilizing there on Austin Way, right off of a Shattuck okay. near the. Um, the Bart, the the, the Bart, uh, ah, the, Bart yeah. uh, the Berkeley Bart entrance, station. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so they were there. Mm. We were there. So we we finished up there, yeah. and uh, and then right after we graduated, those students, um, uh, they turned to the size. Well, listen, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna have a whole year off. We're gonna focus on trying to size into the college. And right. so I was like, well, what, <laughs> what am I gonna do? Uh, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you brought me out here, and now I have nothing to do. So I decided, well, well I might as well go to grad school. 
Yeah. Right. So, so a lot of the things I'm doctor now, not because of like I really had some vision. (laughs) It just kind of just happened organically. That's right. So, so you start at GTU when? Um, So this this graduate theological union, right? Right. GTU. So this should have been. So that was 2008. So I probably was. It was the spring of 2009. Okay. So I GTU the spring of 2009. Right. I I want to. I'm I'm curious. Just about your experiences as chaplain. I mean, I'm going back a little. Yes. Anything like that really stands out in terms of being really formative for you, or you know, like something that maybe changed, you know, your perspective about the community inside. No, I'm really, I'm really glad you asked that question because I personally tell people all the time that that um, that had I not had that experience, then I wouldn't be who I am now, hmm. and yeah. I would not trade it for anything in my life. You know, I, I feel that it really made me much more mature than I was prior to starting the job because my attitude see there's a lot of, there's a lot of classism in the black American community you know so like I, I guess I kind of come from a I, mean, I really want to shift the conversation into that anyway right, so right. I really mm-hmm. I think maybe that would be a good starting point I mean we can talk about Zay 2 right, and right, that right. we would kind of cover that history yes, yeah, right. I think what you bring really mm-hmm. I, I mean, among a lot of other things mm-hmm. is just I think that insight that I'd mm-hmm. really love to uh, a word we'd like to use here unpack mm-hmm. with you so mm-hmm. please sorry yeah right so so again this is this, the classism in in our in, in our community is such that for those who who didn't who never been to prison before you know okay. that there's generally well, in the past, I'm not totally sure how things are now, but when I was growing up, there was somewhat of an attitude that those who've never been to prison before had about those Muslims who had been gone to prison. So we sort of okay. saw ourselves as better than they, than they were. So, um, so I, before I got the offer to to actually work in the prison, my I, I always just said to myself, I'm never. Would would do it, you know, because I just don't want to deal with that mentality, you know, mm. because I, I've, ex- I, I've experienced it too much out on the street, you know, brothers who were in prison before, and That's what do they think? Yeah. Right. So, so when I went inside, so it was like a when you say mm, that classes, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like a badge of honor. Then? Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. So that I have not been to prison. Got it. Right. Okay. That's it. Right. 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 It's so, not the badge of honor that yeah. you have. No. No. Or that it's, I'm. It's, you know, it's the got it. The opposite. Yeah, right. Of course. I mean, that is that does exist as well. Right. You right. Know, there. The other way so around. You're talking about yeah. this is the attitude within the black yes. Muslim community. Yes. Right? right. So it's like a subset yeah. of a subset. Yes. Right. Right. Which is fascinating because again we've never kind of mm-hmm. talked about this in, yeah. on the show, mm-hmm. uh, which is yeah. Mm-hmm. So sorry. So the, both ways then. Yeah. That's both ways. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But your perspective was kind of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah, like I never went to prison. I never mm-hmm. had that experience. Mm-hmm. So and nor do I ever want to have right. anything to do right. with that. Exactly. With people right. who have. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I've I've been to prison. I mean, I have family members who have right. been to prison. You know, right. a brother. You know, who's been to prison a number of times. You know, but. Right. Again, the way that we see him. I never right. asked about how many siblings <laughs> right. you have. Sorry. Well, I have three sisters okay. and, and um, three brothers. You know, but I would add fourth one. You know, my oldest brother was adopted. Okay. You know, so it's we're like eight. Um, but my mother, big, from big, my mother, yeah, seven, yeah, seven big family. Okay, there, yeah, so. okay. Sorry. And, and I'm right. the youngest boy of the boys. You know, and I have two younger sisters. <laughs> ah, so, right. So, um, so, so basically, again, my attitude was 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 like this. I had this attitude about people who had been to prison, and I didn't want to have anything to do with them. But then I just started to, again, I had this desire to see and explore. Yeah. And when I got into the prison and I, and I started to talk to these brothers and meet these brothers, I started to see that, I mean, listen, to the humanity. Yeah, that's right. You see the humanity of them. And, and you even meet people who you say to yourself, you know what, um, 
all it would have taken for me to be here just a small slip. That's right. Right. And you start to think like I used to hang out with guys, you know. I'm even Muslim. My Muslim friend, most of my friends were Muslim growing up. Right. You know, but they used to bad bad things. And right. you know, so I'm Muslims who used to sell drugs. Yeah. And I used to hang out with them, and nobody, none, they never would say to me, like, hey, why don't you help me out? Yeah. Right, you know, but all, that's all it would have taken is, like, okay, give me a dime bag or something like that, and then right. the police come up and you stop you, and you got a record. That's it. You have a record, that's and right. it messes up your life, you know. Right. Every time you go apply for a job, you mm-hmm. know, you can't, yeah. you know. We, so, but for the grace of God, right, I mean, exactly. you know, it was not that right. I mean, far so, removed so, Right, something like that. Or even, like, oh, he's getting killed. I have got, had a guy try to shoot me in my head before. You know, so it's, there are a lot of different things that could happen. Uh, to an individual in um, in, in, in those particular um, neighborhoods, and, and mm-hmm. so so basically, um, you just come across these people. You see the humanity, yeah. uh, uh, you know, some of them like you, some of them don't like you as well. And I developed, I I, I would say that I've learned more about me mm-hmm. through that experience than anyone else. Wow, right? That's right. You know, both bad and good. You know, because I learned the type of potential I had as well. You know, and I give you an example of that. Like, um, about 85% of the brothers who were in the prison, they were identified with as being selfies. Yeah, I was just about to ask kind of what, where that right. is. Uh-huh. Right, they identified with being selfies. But, um... No, why is that, though? Is, well, it, is it the prevalence of selfie dawah in the prisons? Well, that's part of it, but I, I, I'll tell you what a brother Please. said to yeah. me. Yeah. One brother said to me, he's, this is what he said to me. He said, the reason why I am selfie is because um, I look, on my, look upon my life and when I look at it, I see that the reason why I've always gotten in trouble coming in and out of these prisons is because I didn't, I didn't know how to, uh, I, I, did, I refused to, to, to follow the law. To follow? The law. The law. The law. Yeah. yeah. I refused to follow rules. Got it. Right? Right? And this is the strictest thing I could find, you know, so I need this for my own oh, discipline, right? Right. This is, this is the way, what he, what he explained about right. it. Right. Right, yeah. Right, so. And rationalize the attraction to. Yes. Right. The Salafi. Right. He felt it had to be strict, you yeah. know. He said, like, it was strict. Mm. It is something for me. This is what I need like, mm. to, to reform my own character, yeah. to make me better, to get rid of the discipline that I need so I don't go out, get out of prison, then come back again. Yeah. Right, you, know? you know, of course, even though it still happens with most of them, you know, but, but at least that's the way he saw it, mm-hmm. you know, what, what the attraction was. And then also the other thing I think is empowering. I mean, the, the selfism is an empowering doctrine. It is. Right? So it's like you tell you, listen, man, don't be listening to what they say. Ask them for the delil. You know, the, you, know you find out what the delil is, yeah, the evidence, evidence, and that's it, and you, you go with it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if you tell somebody that as opposed to saying, listen, you don't know what you're talking about, be quiet, shut up, you know, the other man know best, you know, and just listen and follow, most yeah. people are not going to go exactly. for that. You know? So that's one of the main reasons right. that selfism appeals to so many different people. Right. And and I was which I was gonna ask, yeah. but I think you already answered the the attraction to that uh, ideology mm-hmm. even within the African American community mm-hmm. at large, mm-hmm. not right. just within the prison system. Right. Just right. I, I don't want to no, 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 like, like you know align anybody unnecessarily, but it's just um, selfism is um, can make people feel like uh, it's a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's together. Everybody's saying the same thing. Everybody's. Dressing the same way, point. you know, it's kind of like a, a big family, or some people probably call it like a gang or whatever, something like that. Mm-hmm. But, but it's it's an experience of camaraderie, right. you know, that there's a rapport that everybody develops, you know. And, I mean, not uh, as a pejorative, yeah. but it's it's kind yeah. of tribal. Yes, it's, it's tribal. Right, exactly. You know, and so and many people like that. They they've never experienced that. They know what that's like. You you know, and then it's like everybody's doing it. Right, so you find like most, many of our one well, of most, it could be most. I, don't, I haven't got the, the numbers there, right. but but many of the large number of our youth are Salafis. If you go to the Masajid, you'll see that 
almost all the people who are in the massage are older people. Yeah. Like, so I'm not used anymore. You're not used anymore. That's and a lot of the older brothers are like, you know, the, you got to give it to the youth. Like, no, yeah. I'm not used, man. It's a matter of time I'll be 50. You're talking about, you know. So, so it's like, I mean, no, we sit I'm here at, at the Muslim Community yeah. Center, and just last weekend, I was telling Zaki in this, on the way here, they, you know, they brought me in to speak to the high school youth, mm-hmm. and that's one of the most challenging mm-hmm talks I have to give because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I it's really a different generation yes, man yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. you know I, I have a hard enough time dealing with my 14 year old at home you know 15 year old at home so it's like let alone speaking a room full of yeah, and you yeah, I know you have yeah. a teenage daughter as well yes, so yeah. you know yeah sorry mm-hmm, I completely yeah. relate to you yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's an interesting point so sorry going back to the yeah. within the prison community right yeah yeah so again that's like yeah. that's one of what, what one of the brothers told me is that because mm. again he needed discipline he felt that this is the particular um, group, you okay. know, ideology, which is going to grant him, help him to get that discipline. Um, uh, so, um, in terms of the positives, right, right. in terms of I myself, I felt, I learned how to be more prophetic, I feel, you know, mm-hmm. through my interaction with them, because, as I said, 85% of them identify as Salafis, and I'm not a Salafi, that means they don't, they don't, they don't like me Got right it. away, you know, so I'm right. always hearing about attacks. Yeah, I, I'm never, they never come to me directly, but the brothers on the blog, they're reporting back to me, this person said this about you, you're off it, you know, you're okay, this, yeah. this, or that. So, but, but when they would come to me, they all knew that if they needed something, Right, that I was going to hold the the fact that our aqidah is different from one another against them. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. They knew that about me, so they would say, "Well, his aqidah is jacked up, but he's a good brother." <laughs> I mean, to me, that's enough. That's it. That's all that matters to me. It's like, you, as long as I'm a good brother, I can care less about what you got to say about my aqidah. You know, because because at least at the end of the day, my aqidah kept me out of prison. Alhamdulillah, you know, you know, or by by Allah's grace, you know, right. I sometimes get angry. I would say, right, right, right. You know, when I hear about them talking about me and making life difficult for other prisoners, you know, but um, but alhamdulillah. So. so beyond the eighty five percent, what would you say then? Maybe if we could just complete that yeah. that 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 that, that mm-hmm. pie, if you will. Mm-hmm. In terms of a, a group affiliation within the within yeah. the prison, right? Again, and we're talking about specifically yeah. like Pennsylvania. And oh, New York sorry, and yeah, area, right. You're not talking about all no, no, you're country, right. but like, and where I was, again, if it's eighty five percent Salafi, then you have. Um, I couldn't really say exactly the, no, the precise breakdown of right. everything else, but but it's a combination of of of, of Hanafis, mm-hmm. like Muhammad Hanafis, um, Shafi. Um, or just people in general who are sort of we call sort of neo-traditionalists or um, yeah, or Sufi okay. you know Sufi background okay. right got it so some uh-huh. you know a nation of Islam you know you have those uh, some of those and how about things. the Imam Warthin community like are they yeah they're there okay. yeah, they're there but but they would be in minority got it in minority at least where I was mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. over here perhaps you know in the, on the west coast mm-hmm. I hear that in the prison system that Imam uh, W.D. Muhammad's community largely okay. uh, have, um, well, not necessarily that they are the inmates, you know, but in terms of the imams, you know, ah, that, the, the, that work with them. Right, yeah. Exactly. They're, they're largely their community that has the greatest influence on the right. inmates inside the We've had uh, Imam Abu Qadir on the show, for example. No, mashallah. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. we had him at the program. That's right. I saw powerful. that. I saw that. And we'll get to the program. I really want to. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, so, sorry, where were we? Yeah, we were talking about your experiences mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said as a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, what did it. Like from a ne- like not a negative, but you, you you alluded to, it and you don't have to necessarily get into this if you're not comfortable with it. But what did it maybe? What insight did it give to yourself that you didn't like? I mean, sometimes, of course, I would lose patience right. with 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 the brothers yeah, mm-hmm. again because um, you know, still young, young, younger me, yeah. and um, 
again, like the example I just gave about like sometimes just People, rubbing in yeah. their face. That, Listen, I'm going to go home, right? Yeah, you guys are going to still be here. You know, so, you know, it's so bad. You know, I'm just really here trying to help you. Yeah, I'm pro- I wouldn't have done that. I mean, that probably probably wasn't the, the best way to mm-hmm. you know to to deal with them. Um, but um, but. But other than that, I right. really you know, go ahead. Now, is there some segmenting mm-hmm. within the community or within the mm-hmm. like in, in within the prison system mm-hmm. among people who are so-called lifers versus mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. right people who are doing a stint? Yeah. Do you see? Yeah, well, that where play I, out? yeah, where I worked, my the institution where I worked was a, we called a medium security okay. institution. It was not maximum. Got it. It's a possibility you can go home and right. still be on parole. Right. You know, but a pre-release means that you can potentially go home prior to your minimum. Right, ah. right. So, so these are like a lot of the goody two shoe type of you know inmates who are right. coming through. But we did what we have about what we did have at the institution about thirty four. And, and is that based on good be, quote unquote good behavior? Good behavior, you know, things like sometimes it could be maybe the individual's first time conviction or okay. you know a number of issues like that. Right, so, right, yeah. okay. Mm. And then mm. any insight that it mm. gave you to the sort of. Like the penal system in America, like the whole the, the idea, oh, like yeah. the prison industrial complex. Well, quite quite a bit. I mean, it's it's you. It's it, well, I'll give you a story. Yeah. Um, the commissary is where the inmates have to go to buy their you know, little goodies. You know, so of course they had their meals, but like if you want to just buy something extra, you know, treats, you know, buy a calling card, a phone card, you have to go to the commissary. And um, I remember one year. Um, well, first, for, for the first issue is that the, the calling cards were either the minimum you can buy a calling card for was $15. Okay. Now, on the streets, you can find a calling card for $2. Yeah. You know, but they had to buy a calling card. $15. Same number of minutes or whatever. Right, okay. exactly. So 15 yeah. or 50 Like, you know, 15 or $15, right? Yeah. So right there, they're juicing the inmates or their families for whatever monies that they're that they're receiving. You know. Now, the inmates are working, and so they're getting paid an average about 25 cents an hour you know, for the work that they do inside the prison. So they are making a little tiny bit of money, you know, and then their families may make up for whatever, whatever else is coming through. So so then they have to buy a calling card, $15. Okay. Right, so um, there was a, 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 um, a new rule that had passed while I was working there which said that in order for you to call your family, that your family has to have Verizon right. wow. in order for you to call them, yeah. in order for the call to go through. Right. And so if your family had someone else, AT&T, or they had, you know, you know someone else, you know, Comcast, whatever, whoever, you know, telephone company is, yeah. they had to change their phone company if they really wanted to talk to their loved one or allow for them to call them, you know, call them from the, from the, from the institution, right. right? So, so, so they made a lot of, they were make, definitely making a lot of money off, off of, uh, right. off of inmates. Um, and that's, were, and that's the result of Verizon, mm-hmm. right? Lobbying with, yes, right. right. Yeah. Now, this particular facility is private, mm-hmm. was it private? Was it government? No, this is government. It's yeah, state. Okay. It's a state, state institution, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a state contract. Because I know a lot of the a lot of the federal facilities mm-hmm. even get out outsourced to private yes, entities, right? Mm-hmm. right. right? I right. mean, and, and, and mm-hmm. they own like there's like I think one or two that own the vast majority or operate. Mm-hmm. I should say not own, but operate a vast majority of the prisons. Right. 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 So that's what I was curious. But right. wow, fascinating. So right. and there was abuse. I mean, general abuse sometimes between the yeah, Verizon, right, right, and you had to be yeah. a mm-hmm. wow. That's that's yeah. that's yeah. I mean, that's just one example. That's yeah, one right, right, yeah. Of course, right. you know. So you saw the racket right, right. for what it was. Yes, right, right, right. right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Now, um, uh, I guess we've already kind of alluded to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can talk about um, mm-hmm. 
the the conference that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. And, and some of the issues that you discussed there. Yeah, right. Uh, and then I'd like to maybe talk about some few other things, and then we can maybe wrap. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, please tell us about the uh, conference. Right. The, the conference is uh, was titled the uh, first annual Black American Muslim Conference. Okay. Um, the theme was empowerment through healing. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea was to bring together a number of um, Muslim leaders, scholars, among others, to have a number of conversations which were specifically uh, um, related to matters uh, happening in the African-American community or the black, black American community, but issues while at the same time they, they influence us or touch our community, but they, they, some of them are much broader. They actually um, uh, apply to the Muslim or, the, or other communities throughout the country in general. Right, so, so um, issues like... Uh, you know, um, like like leadership, like for instance, have our leaders abandon us? You know, mm-hmm. which is a matter that a conversation that comes up quite often among a lot of uh, Black Americans, who, where they, you know, for instance, all these guys they they get their jobs and they go work for the immigrants or things like that. You know, so right. let's have a conversation about sure. that. You know, you know, if, did they leave us? You know, have they? You know, why, what what might be the reasons why uh, they may not be here? What is it we can do to actually uh, make them come back? Um, uh, things like that might, might relate to, like again, like crime. You know, social outcasts. You know, how do we, how well are we doing in terms of reincorporating them or making life easier for people who perhaps were, you know, formerly incarcerated, incarcerated yeah. and now they, they're back. They come back to the community. You know, how, what contribution have we made? You know, has other communities have other communities made contributions as well? And one of the reasons I wanted, I chose that panel because I wanted to actually show that there is much more. Um, cooperation right. between African American, non African American okay. communities. You know, when it comes to uh, um, that particular issue, in terms of like, it, like I, I presented to people, Imam Abu Qadir, and then also Imam, um, well, he's not Imam, but he's the general operations manager of the Islamic Center of Irvine, uh, Brother Amin Rafiq. Uh, and I actually first became uh, became acquainted with him through um, Sheikh Rami Nasur, uh, through Taiba Foundation. Right. Right. And he has a wonderful story. <coughs> Uh, that that was told. We had a wonderful like panel there. It was very emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, hopefully, you know everybody get a chance to see it. But um, you know, there's a couple of things issues related to like relationship between men and women. You know what are the uh, the the obstacles to female empowerment? Um, um, what is the extent of um, 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 the relationship between they call the indigenous quote unquote immigrant mm-hmm. quote unquote mm-hmm. Americans, which right. is actually our final panel we had related okay. to like matters of race and racism. Right. Um, uh, so there are a number of panels that we had, and there are some lectures as well. What is the, uh, is there, uh, what can we still learn from West Africa? You know, there's still a connection between the uh, black Americans here in West Africa. There's some things that we can appropriate still, which would help empower us uh, and to heal us as well. So um, it was a very ethnically diverse um, uh, audience. Um, even though the majority black American, right. uh, um, but but it was very very uh, very nice to see. I, I mean, how many times were you asked yeah. like, you know, I'm not black, can I attend? You know, that kind of thing. Right? <laughs> Did people yeah. feel that kind of reluctance or yeah, hesitation? Yeah, yeah, it or? happened. It came up a number of times. Okay. It came up a number of times, okay. and I think that has somewhat to do with me in general. I think that because uh, because like you know, with Lampo's uh, education initiative, I think that there's it's sort of sense that some people have that. Uh, that land post is only about like black people and black stuff yeah. um, but I had to make it clear even there at the program that you know this is not about saying that 
um, only black Muslims are important. The, 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 the point is that that black Muslims are important too. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, and so in, in, in a lot of conventions or conferences that happen uh, throughout the year that uh, you, you even though it may not be stated mm. um, explicitly by the organizers, it's very clear to me that the organizers themselves, they have their own vision. Mm-hmm. Right for the national Muslim community, what a real American Muslim looks like. As a matter of fact, there was an event that we just had a few weeks ago. I actually attended it, um, ready to one of the the mosque in the, in the Bay Area. I won't say it. You you'll know it, and some people will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There was an event related called you know our American American Muslim American Muslim identity. Yeah, and and I know that originally the panel was supposedly supposed to consist of only. Um, there were two Pakistanis and there was one Egyptian and one Syrian person of Syrian origin. But at the last minute, they, the added, decision, they added a, an African American. Right. Yeah, somewhat. And it's a very, you know, I guess it was a sort of a token uh, sort of example. But and it, it actually backfired on them, in my opinion, because the individual they invited got on stage and when they asked him about his Americanness, he said, well, I don't consider myself to be American. That's right. That set the whole tone for the whole panel. He was the first one they asked uh, or, the, or, or, the, or the moderator asked of the panel and that was the question and that, that he kind of led with that. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so, so for me, so for me, it's not, it's not so much about being critical, yeah. right, in, the, in a very negative sense, you know, yeah. being constructively critical of right. our community, you know, right. Muslim community, yeah. you know, black and non-black, everybody. Right. It's, 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 it's just, okay, American Muslim. And I totally understand because, for instance, in the media, Islamophobia is, where I see it as Islamophobia is largely directed towards, you know, what we call immigrant community. Immigrant, yeah. Right, Islamophobia means anti, is anti-Arab racism, but Arab becomes anybody who's perceived of not being from America, you know. So exactly. Islam is sort of this this religion which has nothing to do with American core values. Uh, people are coming from over there, invading exactly. this particular country and bringing all of this mess, you know. And they're trying to implement yeah. Sharia law and right. all these other things, you know. So, right. so that's the narrative. That is. And so I totally understand why when we see you on the news. Um, in a lot of these panels that it'll be a represent there's not a lot of ethnic diversity mm-hmm. uh, you know and I believe that that's intentional I believe that's intentional by the media that they want to continue to reinforce the idea that Islam doesn't belong here mm-hmm. and I mean both the right and the left yeah. and that's my opinion that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that both of them want to reinforce that particular idea mm-hmm. that it doesn't belong here and so for me I don't get upset that I see um, the lack of diversity in, mm-hmm. the, in that um, I don't feel sort of like slighted. Okay. By that doesn't mean I don't get. Yeah. Upset. I'm, I'm, I don't mean I don't get upset by by understanding what they are doing right. wrong about there. But I don't get upset about. I don't feel slighted. But there are a lot of black Muslims who do get feel slighted. That's it's right. just like why? Where are our voices? That's right. You know, and all of this. You know, and and for me, I'm I'm so, okay. No, I understand why our voices are not there. Mm. You know, and I'm not really all uptight about it. But there are a lot of people very uptight about this. Mm. So when they see this. Right, like a panel. Well, I, yes. I mean, I think I think what you're saying is yeah. is indicative of uh, the the sort of propensity people have for for reductive 
you know, categorization. So in mm. other words, you have mm. the black experience mm. and you have the Muslim experience mm. and the idea that those two would intersect yes. in a meaningful way right. Right. doesn't enter into it. You know, yes. so for example, right. when, mm. when, when Muhammad Ali passed away, yes. right. it's like you had the, these competing, mm-hmm. I, like the idea of him as a black Muslim right. and that right. being something distinct right. and unique. Right. Right. Wasn't really part of the conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. I mean, I agree. You know, and and sometimes I see that happen with um, Malcolm or I mean, yeah. I mean uh, like I had to tell a brother the other day that um, that uh, that you know that the Malcolm letter from Mecca uh, is like the Dr. Dr. King's I have a I have a dream speech, <laughs> a dream you know, speech. For, for like for like mainstream America it's so like true. you know for Muslims it's like you know the, the letter from Mecca yeah like, that's so true know, so he, wow. he, he went to Mecca yeah. and he gave up all that black nationalist stuff that's right. like, well actually he didn't he you know, didn't. know? Right. <laughs> that's right not quite that's know? right and like so, you said reductive yeah. and that yeah. becomes sort of the defining characteristic yeah. of that person mm-hmm. same thing with, mm-hmm. with, with, with like you said with Dr. King mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that speech not yeah. mentioning the fact that for example his last speech that he gave Mm-hmm. Was yeah, he's talking about you know railing against the the, the, the system you know right. anti-war he does war talk, yeah, right, yeah, military know, industrial and, complex yeah, right exactly uh, imperial all, anti-imperialistic right, anti-material yeah. and also anti-materialistic thank you well. he was he talked about that you know yeah. this sort of this you know material hyper-materialism yeah, that's right uh, that's that right. people are but so, but that doesn't involved, fit into the sort yeah. of. Santa Clausization yes. of Martin Luther King. <laughs> right, right. You know? That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. That's very yeah. true. Like, yeah. like, yeah. But I mean, I, and so mm-hmm. then to going back to the conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, look, we want to talk about these issues, and we want to do it in a, in a way that's constructive mm-hmm. and meaningful, mm-hmm. and. You know, there are issues. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? There are issues that are unique to the Black American community. Yes, right. So, right, guess what? Yeah. We're going to have a conference mm-hmm. that speaks to that. Right. Now, right. you're more than welcome mm-hmm. to come and attend and participate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to have this conference right, because right. there are issues right. that are unique to this experience. Right, right. Well, think about this: that aren't always represented on these larger yes, conferences right, right. and these larger platforms. Right. And, and again, and it's only because, it's not, and I don't believe that people do that because they're. Um, that they're mean spirited, right? Right. You know, I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's people. There's certain things that people they're just not considering. Yeah, yeah. There's certain things they're overlooking, right? Yeah. You know. So, so like, but think about this. It's like, and it's not, and I say this not to make it a in any in in an equivalent analogy. Okay. Right. Let's say instead of Muslims having a fundraiser for Syrian refugees, no, no, no. Let's not have a fundraiser for Syrian refugees. Let's have a fundraiser for all Muslim refugees. You understand, you yeah. know, because everybody's plight is the same. You know, yeah. the Rohingya is just like yeah. it was happening for people in Libya. It's just like it's, people it's are, all lives right, matter. Right, right, exactly, right, the, exactly, right. The so, conference, yeah. right. So, and and again, it's not to well. It's funny you say that because I can't help but think of that. The all lives yeah. matter. It's, yeah. it's uh, because when you said, look, it's not to say that the the other experiences aren't important. But guess what? The Black American experience, the Black American Muslim experience, is also important. Yes, yes. Which right. is the same kind yeah. of right. You yeah. just replace, you know, yeah. Black Lives Matter yeah. or you know, All Lives Matter. But here's yeah. another thing too. But Please, yeah. yeah. Here's another thing too. It's like, like it's interesting that I've noticed this for years that. The only time it seems that Muslims are raising a major objection about like race politics, hmm. uh, in that in that Muslims will say Islam has nothing to do with race. Yeah. It only happens ironic ironically when they see black people themselves um, 
coming together to talk about their own empowerment, mm, yeah. right? You understand? You know, it's, 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 it's real ironic. It's like, okay, well, we're, when we start talking about racism, you can't talk about racism, racism without talking about um, anti-black sentiment to even begin with. You know, and then you say, Islam has nothing to do with race. Why are you waiting until black people now start talking about their issues to say that Islam has nothing to do with race? That in itself proves that you have some hypersensibility about blackness, yeah. right? Right. And, and, um, right. Which, like you said, it's like, Islam has nothing to do with the race, yeah. but tonight I'm going to this dinner that's for Syrian refugees right, right. or about the Palestinian crisis. Well, think about this. Nobody said anything about the Arab Spring. Nobody said anything about the Arab Spring. Arab Spring. Mm. There you go. Arab Spring. Nobody said, oh, this has nothing to do with Islam. All Springs right, matter. Right, all Springs matter. <laughs> right, right, right. Fascinating. Yeah. That's so no, true. I mean, I mean, I think there's... The, the implication there is that the 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 black Muslim experience mm-hmm. can be swapped in for any other yeah. ethnic Muslim group, which is just right. demonstrably false. Right, exactly. We know that. Right. You know, right. I, I, I've been I can't help but thinking about. It. I'm sure you you've, you're aware of this. Mm-hmm. With the Stefan Clark story of Sacramento. Uh, I didn't know he was Muslim. Did you know yeah, this? I, I I just read that recently. I, was this the uh, the, the gentleman who was, was shot in his backyard? Oh really? By, by oh really? Yes. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I didn't know he was Muslim. Yeah, I just okay. is that accurate? I don't. Know. I don't. Know. Well, actually, I didn't know his name either. I kept for some reason. I'm sorry. I yeah. probably should. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but I mean that that's yeah. that to me. I was having this conversation yeah. with, with a friend. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's something that that. You know, Indo-Pak Muslim is not something we think about mm-hmm. as, and yet this is something. Mm-hmm. Why was he shot? Right. Was right. his blackness a factor? How? Yes. I mean, let's. Right. I, I don't know, but yes. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 I mean, right. Yes. And, yeah. and that's unique. That's mm-hmm. distinctive. Right. It's an unfortunate yeah. reality, mm-hmm. but right. it's something that not right. all people are are contending with. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, right. and and, it, and we would like for it not to mean as much as it does, you know. But it's, right. it clearly does, you know. So, um, we can't talk about white supremacy yeah. right uh, and then at the same time talk about how Islam's you know has nothing to do with race you know mm-hmm. so I mean, we, we can't I, we can't let that come out of our mouths you know mm-hmm. we have to remain, remain, remain consistent you know or and we can never accuse anybody of doing something based upon some racist racist motivation right, right. So, you know um, um, if but, but, but again it's not we all know that Islam or the Prophet Islam yeah Right, his teachings were, you know, anti-Jahidi, anti, you know, sort of racist, yeah. right? And uh, he didn't he tolerate any of it, any right. anything that any sort of expression of it, you know. But, but at the same time, um, um, there is some things that did happen. That's right. right. Things happened in this press to them, right? Mm-hmm. You know. But now, of course, we at the same time we we understand that people have different types of diseases. People have different types of, you know, sort of, um, um, uh, you know, again, let's just call them diseases for now. You know, different vices. Right? Vices. Call that as right. well. Um, right. And we don't condemn them and say, and damn them, say, once you got it, you always got it. Right. right? They say, no, no, okay, some people can change. Right? Right. You know, there's a, perhaps maybe there's a way that we can approach this in a healthy way where the people who are struggling with certain types of thoughts about others can actually overcome them. Right. Right? And they can think differently about them. And it might take some time. It may take some time for them to get to that point, you know, but they need to first understand where it came from, right? Mm-hmm. Where those ideas originated and how the, they've been doct- indoctrinated into these sort of ideas 
um, um, from for actually for centuries, realistically, you know. And um, I remember even Bugs Bunny, like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. You remember the guy Hassan? You remember Hassan mm-hmm. from Bugs Bunny with the big Hassan turban, Chow. with the big sword? You're Hassan Chow. Hassan Chow. Right, right. oh, really? It goes way back. You know, oh, okay. Hassan. You go to look it up on YouTube. Yeah. You know, people see me in school. Hassan yeah. Chow. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't remember the character though. Anyway, so what was the trope? What was the well? Well, again, the the, the violent to Arab guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. not not. To, but yeah, the yeah, other guy yeah. is the Weasley money grubbing. Yes, like it's the yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, yeah, these sort of these uh, yeah cultural tropes and stereotypes that are yeah, and they're just taken at face value. Yes, you yeah, know? Right. yeah. We laugh at them, you know, but like, but like, it has it has a, a, a major impact right. on on our on our on our psyche. Right. You know? And I think the conversation we're having is, is certainly a conversation that isn't I mean I think we can broaden it beyond just the Muslim community right. yeah. um, certainly what we're seeing happening uh, I mean this is a broader conversation we mentioned Black Lives Matter for example around race um, you know uh, this year, it, we, we, like you, you mentioned Looney Tunes or Bugs mm-hmm, Bunny, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Hollywood is having yes. this conversation. Yes, right. And you know, we we've had mm-hmm. you know movies like Get Out and movies mm-hmm. like um, uh, Black Panther mm-hmm. that meant something that mm-hmm. were sort of cultural uh, landmarks in mm-hmm. terms of what they represented. And I would just be curious to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts um, on, on on that and where you right. see kind right. of. Yeah, I saw both of those movies. Okay. I saw Get Out and I saw uh, yeah. Black Panther. Get Out. Um, to me, I just found it. Um, I found it interesting, very entertaining. Yeah. Entertaining mm-hmm. to move. I sort of just saw it as just entertainment. Right. You know, but of course, there definitely are these sort of racial undertones which are there. You know, this distrust of white people. Certainly, yeah. for you. Yeah. You know, and and naturally, uh, they could have a deleterious effect on, on um, the psyche of yeah. many people. Um, um, the Black Panther definitely I think the positives uh, are much more outweigh any negatives that may anyone may be able to highlight right. from the movie and uh, I saw it more so as a, an attempt to try to reconcile between black Americans and Africans yeah. right? I mean, it and starts Africans. in Oakland and ends right. in Oakland right exactly yeah. um, more than and the you know, filmmaker being Oakland. Oakland. Right. Yeah. right exactly yeah. right. so and I, th- I think it was pretty brilliant. Personally, I didn't go there expecting to see see that in the okay. storyline. I I would just get super. I'm going to watch a superhero movie. That's all I'm going to watch, you know. Sure. But then, then the way that they weave that all together, I thought was pretty amazing. Um, and of course, some people say oh, Islamophobia. Some people some people say it was anti-black, and I say, uh, you know, That's but a it's stretch. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I know the anti-Islamic yeah. part you're talking well, I, about. I've, I've, or heard, what, a, what's I've issue. heard a critique yeah. that that I, I disagree with, but I mean, I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. That the the only African American character mm-hmm. is portrayed yeah. as being sort of the the uh, complete villain of the right, piece, right, and you know right. you might feel sympathy for him, but he's right. still demonstrably bad, and how that sort of mm-hmm. the movies stack in the deck. Yeah. I, I disagree with that critique, but I'd be curious. Yeah, I mean, I also disagree with the the, the critique, um, and I and I because I think the only way that you can you can maintain or sustain that particular um, um, conclusion is that you uh, accept that most African Americans. They are like him. Yeah, right. They are like uh, Killmonger. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is the norm. That all all people, guys from Oakland, Africa. That's just what that's they're true. like. That's true. Right, you see. So so and the movie you, itself is disproving that. Right. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So him and then his, his girlfriend as well. And both of them are like these sort of crooks. Yes. You know. So and I, and I, and one person who said that to me, I said, well, maybe the the movie is actually more anti thug. 
It's not mm-hmm. anti-black, but it's anti-thug. You know, right. so I mean, so all are most black people thugs, right. right? You know, so I can see you saying it's anti-black then. You know, uh, but right. but but since I don't believe that most black people are anti-thug, I would or or, or thugs, right? Thugs, general, right, exactly. Yeah, right, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Right. Then I'm not going to take ownership of that. Yeah, yeah. kind of kind of Correct. labeling of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I I push back on it reflexively because I'm like the the director is a smart enough guy yes. to, and he's speaking to his own experience mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. the way the character is portrayed he's a result of you know he he is the way he is yeah. because of the main characters and so in other words it's a set of circumstances mm-hmm. that's unique yeah. only to him unless Wakanda is a real place I don't know right. anything about right? right so it wasn't his it wasn't being raised in Oakland that made him that right, right. it was exactly. It was his father being murdered and him being abandoned, which did not... That's not... America didn't do right. that, you know? Right. It was interesting. Like, I remember hearing Dave Chappelle recently. He said that... Uh, that that um, it, it may be an old statement he made, but he said that... Uh, uh, people think I'm from the hood, you know, but, yeah. but you know, but I never, I never, you know, objected to people's assumptions, you know, when they, they say it, you know, it really, and, and this is, yeah. this is good because if we bring this back to the conference and this yeah. is one of the Thank reasons you. I wanted to have the conference as well, because yeah. I wanted to put people of different classes and different levels of understanding together to have actually have a conversation, you know, and, and actually show the audience that it's possible to have a conversation about things even when you may disagree with with, with other other people, mm-hmm. uh, but but um, there's a tendency to think of the Black American or the African American community or whatever you want to call them as a monolith, monolith. right? right. Um, and um, there's an author uh, Eugene Robinson who's yeah. worked for the Washington Post, That's right. you know, and he he has a book called Disintegration, and in his book he talks about how post. Um, of course, 1965, you know, similar to uh, issues that were raised by other people, that with the influx of all this immigration, that it's very difficult for, to now to even speak about uh, the African-American community, the mm-hmm. black American community. So he divides black Americans. He actually uses those terms, black American, like Dr. Jackson. Like says, black American, he, he actually divided them into four categories. He said the, the one category, the first category is what he called the mainstream. You know, this is sort of like the... the, um, the um, Middle class. Okay. That, so the majority of black Americans are middle class. That's right. Not poor. You know, that's the first thing. Again, there's already a stereotype out there of most black people are just poor. It's like, no, most black people are middle class. Now, some of those people may think they're poor. Right. Right. You know, but you got your house, you got two, three TVs, you got you know, three telephones, you have a refrigerator, you have all of your food is, you know, you have your, all of your shelves are filled up with food. Among that's other things, you have a car, you know, and you're, you're, you're poor. By comparison, with comparison to someone else who has more than you right. are, yeah. than you do. Welcome so, to right. yeah, middle class <laughs> life in America. Yeah, right. yeah. so to feel that way. Right, exactly. So, so right. that's the first one. The first one he's got the he calls it the mainstream, the okay. middle class. The second is the 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 um, the abandoned class or mm-hmm. this this lower class, and this are the the inner city people who which are a minority among yeah. blacks who seem to be. Um, in a hopeless situation that 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 perhaps they would never come out of their poverty or their um, their condition. Then the third class, the third um, class, he, he calls them the um, transcendent blacks. Okay. And so this is a minority as well. But these are like the ones even above the. These are the super rich, right? right? So the Oprahs and other people like that. You know, so sure. these transcendent class right. uh, of black people who definitely have power, who even many whites, if not the majority of them, are envious of because they have right. achieved so much. Uh, and then you have the last one he calls the emerging class. So this class is a combination of the what we call the mixed race 
um, black people, like individuals have one white parent or, you know, or some other race as well. You know, it could be one black parent and, and another parent from a different race. Uh, and then you have uh, these new Af- immigrants from Africa. Mm. Right? right. So he put, put all of them in one single category oh, okay. called the, the emerging class. Right? right. So so we can't even talk about, again, a, a monolithic that's black right. American. There is no one black experience. Right, exactly. Yeah, there is yeah, not. You know, so, and I think that that's one of the things that has to be clear, especially to Muslim activists, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, yeah. I've seen Muslim activists seem to focus so much on what I consider to be sort of liberal elements among the black American community, right? Liberal elements, you know, maybe morally liberal. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't mean like, you know, sort of politically, but I mean right. morally liberal elements in the black American community. Assuming, or socially liberal. Right, or socially, okay. yeah, right, socially. Yeah. Socially liberal people, you know, who... Who, who they assume represent the real black people, That's right? Right, right, right. That's right. And uh, anyone else has to be a sellout, right? You know, so, and uh, and and you'll be surprised, you know, just how, how how much, um, how 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 large the number of sort of morally conservative or socially conservative blacks there are out there. You That's see, right. right, and they generally are painted as. Being Uncle Tom's or Sellers, right, right, right? Exactly. I mean, and notwithstanding his really very, very problematic uh, legal opinions, but you take someone like Clarence Thomas, right? Who, 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 who let's say, is certainly socially conservative, right? But he's just representative of, of, of many people. I, I, I can't think of who, who's the uh, is it not Sidney Steele? What's his name? Um, anyway, it'll, it'll come to me. Um, who's the one who wrote um, Carter? Last name Carter. Uh, Stephen Stephen L. Carter, uh-huh. right? I mean, you you, conserve, you consider him conservative, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. right. Uh, among others, and and right. so they generally are painted with this, you know, right. sellouts, right? As, as being sellouts or sellout, right? You know, there you so go. He's not a real, a real black person. That's right. Know, and so, yeah. but you that, saw, we saw it on again yeah. on Fresh Prince, right? Carlton. That's yeah, right. That's right. No, I mean, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, right. Yeah. He he wasn't performing blackness. In the yeah. same way, yeah, and that was right. that was the the point of conflict. That's, that's right. That's, right. that's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. He liked Tom Jones, remember? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah of, course. Point, of course. Of course, of yeah. course. Uh, uh, but uh, so, uh, uh, what was I? I was I, I was going somewhere with that. Oh, but anyway, you no, know, no, no, no. It's, it's okay uh, because I think again, that's I think a broader conversation even mm-hmm. beyond just mm-hmm. the Muslim community, mm-hmm. right? It's a conversation that mm-hmm. we're, uh, yeah. That, this is what I wanted to go back to because you you and you've. You mentioned it, but like going back to the movie Get Out, for example, mm-hmm. right? Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. he himself comes from a mixed race background. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what's interesting, and then, but I think what what do you, would you? How do you feel that a lot of the praise that that movie has garnered, and and he himself, because he was what the first person, first Black American to be nominated in three categories ever in the history of the I, Academy. I, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> So screen screenplay, best picture, and best director. Yeah, and first to win an Oscar for screenwriting, I think. Right. Yeah. So is that is is that is do you think a lot of that is is just tokenism, like, hmm. or is it deserved? Or <laughs> I, yeah, well, I mean, I I don't think I'm in a, in, a, in a position to really say whether or not it's tokenism or not, but I definitely suspect. That a lot of it is tokenism, and I, and I'll I'll give you a different example to yeah. to, to show you what I mean by it. Like for instance, Moonlight, uh, the movie Moonlight. Thank right? you, right, thank you. So, right, so, right. So, last so, year's last year's best picture. Yes, right. 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 So, and best supporting actor, mm-hmm. Marshall uh, who right. is a uh, Ahmadiyya. Ahmadiyya, Ahmadiyya from right. here. So, yes, right. From, so, from Hayward, sorry. I think it was yeah. Hayward. Hayward, sorry, right. that's right. He took a shahada here. Right, right. So, so. 
I was curious. Oh, please, I, I was yeah. very curious about this movie, and I was like, okay, what's the buzz all about? You know, so and I really didn't want to watch it. I first got hurt. What it was about? Yeah, right. Just, so, okay, so I watched it. Yeah. And I'm looking at the movie, and I'm, and I'm saying to myself, first and foremost, I don't feel that his acting was so spectacular that it deserved an Oscar. I agree. You know, and it wasn't bad, right. you know, but it wasn't as spectacular, so spectacular that you really, oh my God, it's you know such great acting. Right. Second of all, he played a drug dealer. All right. Which okay, it's fine. He played all types of things in movies, mm-hmm. you know. But the but the, 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 the bigger deal to me of all of this was that he only was in about the first fifteen to twenty minutes of the movie. That's right. And I would say, well, why is he getting an Oscar for only playing in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, which really made me feel that it was all propaganda. This was all propaganda for one, mm. propaganda to win over Muslims because there are Muslims. Oh my God, Muslim finally wins an Oscar. You know, right. so we love that stuff. You That's know, right. they acknowledge us. You know, the yeah, people, you know, the, 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 the mainstream That's culture, right. they they accept us. You know, right. so you know, so so we're in. You know, yeah. well, you're not really still. So, that is you know, right. But, That's right. But it's, yeah, it's but, crumbs from the table. Right. And then the yeah. second of all, he's a black guy. You know, oh yeah, minority. He's a double minority. Mm-hmm. He's a black guy on top oh. of that. Mm-hmm. But the movie, the storyline is about two black gay men, you know, who yeah, they hook up, whatever, yeah. and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, they, that's what they do. And to me, I say propaganda, and uh, because because um, they know that realistically, the black American community is the final frontier when it comes to the uh, acceptance yeah. of, of, of LGBTQ um, yeah. normalization. Right. Right? There Lifestyle. are people still, and I'm not talking about just Muslims, you know, that you look at the, the preachers, look at, look, you see everybody, you know, and then people in general society, that is something that our people are just very, still, I mean, as things have changed, have softened up a little bit, you know, because you have people out there like Cornel West, or you have um, um, like um, Kanye, Kanye West, or or sometimes Jay Z, and you have these people that these these rappers, yeah, hip hop, they're trying to use them as well to normalize, you know, this sort of LGBTQ, and even uh, what's the guy from, uh, like the the black guy from uh, Transformers, and uh, he has the uh, Tyrese. Tyrese, you know, Tyrese, him too, is another one, right? It's Tyrese from Queen Latifah. You have them, yeah. they're utilizing them to try to bring it, make it normal in right. the black right. American community. Right. Right. You know, so, so I see, see that with sort of propaganda. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can, I would definitely suspect that it's tokenism when mm-hmm. it comes to like, uh, like to, the. Yeah, we get like the kind of support, or the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the word, uh, the accolades that, that yeah. Get Out has, 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 has garnered. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, you, you talk about mm-hmm. sort of like the LGBT mm-hmm. sort of inf- like, um, mm-hmm. What's the road? The kind of inroads that they're mm-hmm. infiltration, infiltration within the Black American community. <laughs> yeah. um, I know you have. You're yeah. certainly opinionated about yeah. that yeah. Uh, issue in mm-hmm. in, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe kind of speak to that, and, and and were those topics kind of talked about at the mm-hmm. conference, for right. example? And if they were, kind of what was the well, I mean, reaction the, from the community. Well, when it comes to the conference, I, I, people would ask me what I th- thought about it, you know. So, and I first have to give myself a grade, and so and I tell them, I say, my, the grade I give myself at the conference is like a B plus, right? You know, because um, I feel that it was definitely successful, you know, and that it uh, really, you know, spoke to everyone's um, concerns, got them excited and motivated to to look forward towards the next one. But B plus is opposed to an A, an A plus, because um, I did not allot uh, enough time during mm-hmm. each panel for 
for everyone to to kind of get through enough topics mm. that I originally envisioned that they would be able to speak about. And so one of the things was that. Um, so that one, 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 one area would have been on the panel related to conservatism and liberalism. Uh, or And also the second one was on the one related to crime, sin, and sort of accepting social outcasts. Because yeah. it wasn't just about people been to prison, but it was about people... Yeah, for instance, who may be gay, whatever, formerly gay Muslims or, or Muslims who are struggling with gay desires, right. uh, um, you know, how do you sort of uh, um, incorporate them into the community? Right. Right. So it's not about trying to be uh, uh, um, in, uh, uncompassionate. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, I, I, and I'll be the first to tell people, say, listen, I, I grew up with a cousin who's gay. Mm. Right. I grew up with a gay cousin. As a matter of fact, right now, so I have... I have a, a, a one male, a homosexual cousin. His mother's my, my auntie. You know, my mother's sister is right. is, 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 is lesbian. You know, right. So her and her son, right. right, gay, right. You know, and so my other cousin died some years ago. You know, who from years ago he's grown up in the black community when the, all this talk about gay rights and gay marriage it, it wasn't even spoken about. He was already gay right, right. in the black community when it was very dangerous to be that. That's right. Right. He used to walk around. He'd have a kufi on, and that was kind of. Yeah. Because some of the gay people used to wear the kufi as well oh, really? in the black community. Oh, okay. um, so, so that's, that's the first thing I would say about it uh, is that uh, that it's um, you know that my sort of background. So it's now I'm not speaking yeah. in the way where I say, okay, listen, let's just you know just be totally um, harsh and, yeah, and abrasive right. with people right. and not give consideration to whatever they're struggling with. Right. You know, my issue is with largely what I see is Muslims advocating. For the legitimacy of the lifestyle, right. there's one thing to actually be working with someone, mm -hmm. right, who actually is LGBTQ, you know, and um, and in the cause and being united in a particular cause. Right. But if that cause is one which is anti-Islamic, mm -hmm. you know, which undermines Islamic morality, that's where I really have the issue with. Is right. that, you know, you're out now advoca advocating for right. it, and that's one thing I I personally can't tolerate. Right. You know, and so if you ever see me speak about speak out against anything, it's because of that. That's right. It's not right. because I hate gay people. No, mm -hmm. you know, people, people, some people, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of things I can say about about it. You know, right. That's right. Not sure no, I think it's a really. But it didn't come up. It didn't okay. come up. It didn't come up. But I think no. We have you on the show, and I think mm -hmm. it's an important conversation because, yeah. um, it, and it's, it's it's very interesting because you talk yeah. about even within the Black American community mm -hmm. how. And, and by that, I mean black American. I don't mean black American Muslim, just mm -hmm. black community mm -hmm. in general in America is this conversation around, you know, what is sort of the defining, you know, who, who speaks on behalf of that community? Mm -hmm. If you are a black conservative, mm -hmm. where do you fit in mm -hmm. to, to right. the, the, the mainstream right. voice? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel that you're right. I mean, there's certainly been much more of a showcasing, highlighting of. Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 lampshading of uh, black liberal voices, yes, right. as opposed mm -hmm. to black conservative right, voices, right. and I would argue that mm -hmm. in some ways that's sort of the uh, what is it the uh, like the 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 canary in the in the coal mine in mm -hmm. a sense for the Muslim community because mm -hmm. I think that what what we're seeing or what we're beginning to see mm -hmm. with the kind of rise of Muslim activists, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right, right, mm -hmm. and we don't need to initially necessarily mm -hmm. mention names, even right. people we've had on the show who mm -hmm. identify themselves right. as. You know, Muslim mm -hmm. activists mm -hmm. into that into that uh, cadre of people mm -hmm. is if you are liberal, yes, right, and there is right. no place, or is there a place mm -hmm. uh, for uh, Muslim conservatives in that, or, or mm -hmm. people who identify right. as conservatives within that mm -hmm. that cadre of so-called activists? Yeah, well, I think I think is for me, I don't identify as a conservative, right. but I also don't identify as as a Democrat, 
Right. Yes. I mean, right. we're talking about political, political right. identification. Right. You know, and I, and I think that we, we are more centrist, I guess I would say. Politically. Right, right, right. right. Politically, but, more centrist. But you would care no, about yourself socially, as socially, socially conservative. conservative. Right, definitely. Right. Socially conservative. And I'm talking about, yeah, right. when I say, when right. I use the word liberal conservative, yeah. I'm talking about social issues. Right. That where the, the, the if we could play. You're also saying in specific reference mm-hmm. to being Muslim. Yes. Right. Right. So, so I'm saying. There's a difference between being politically conservative and being re- religiously conservative. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Right. There Especially are. Especially in, in, in the frame of... Well, I'm of, using of religiously Muslim. conservative, socially conservative, morally conservative, mm-hmm. all as synonymous yeah. here. And interchangeable. But I'm saying, I'm saying, are they interchangeable, right? I mean... I don't, why, why would you say what, otherwise? What, what makes one a conservative Muslim, for example... One can my point. One can be example, a conservative Muslim okay. while still being. I think you can a identify political liberal, for example. Right. So right. I think you so, can identify those things I'm that are considered. Once we enter a new field, right. The the categorization changes. Like what are the issues in the mm-hmm. sort of cultural yeah. wars in America, right? Whether it's abortion, uh, gay rights, uh, you know, uh, or, or conversations around L- L- LGBTQ, you know, Q in general, mm-hmm. and abortion. Let's just take those two as an example, right? Generally speaking, Muslims tend to be socially conservative on those issues. My point is... Although they may vote Democrat. Mm -hmm. My point is that one could argue, and certainly this is, this is, we see evidence of this, what makes one a conservative Muslim is that they pray five times a day, and Mm -hmm. they don't eat pork, Mm -hmm. and they don't drink alcohol. (laughs) Okay, I take that as sort of like... Like sort of baseline. I I would agree with that, but that's not yeah. yeah. The perception, the public perception. That's true. That, right, that's right. true. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I think. I think. Yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I think I, I agree with that. He conceded yeah. a point, yeah. folks. Yeah. <laughs> Mark the calendar. <laughs> not true. Anyway. Go on. Yeah. Now, if you were my wife saying that, okay, fine. I, I, I'd give you credit. But me and you, come on. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Please. Yeah, why would we stop? Oh, yeah, you know, you were saying you, you you agreed with Zucky in the, in that in that kind of right, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. D- depending on the field of specialization, right? Yeah, in and, America. and I think one one of the fundamental problems or flaws in in certain activist thinking is that there's this belief that in order for you to actually effectively do activism, you have to fall under someone else's umbrella. Right? Mm. You know, and so there's talk at times about okay, well, we are in alliance with. This community, that community right. says, "No, no, you're not like you're under their umbrella, right? You know, the very fact that you're not allowed to speak towards your own convictions, right? right. But you can speak and you can advocate for theirs is proof proof enough that you're you're under their umbrella, right? That's and right. they're dictating to you the terms of engagement. So, so that that's 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 um, I think an important thing to 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 consider. And so we have as Muslims have to get out of the 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 sort of the way that everyone else frames, frames their ours. particular." Interests and among other things, you know, our own interest, our own interests should be dictated by our, our morality. But, you know, right. So we, our own morality should be should be the basis for that. It's just like everyone else's interests are dictated by their morality. Our own interests should be dictated. And by we our should morality. be unapologetic about it. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, and it doesn't mean I, I hate you. I want you dead. Or then I say, listen, you know, we can't work together. I can't work with you on that one. Yeah. This fine. That yeah. and I can't work with you on that. Right. You know, I mean, if 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 all of the 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 wine sellers. You know, started to have trouble. You know, if we say we probably wouldn't happen, almost impossible to happen. It seems, <laughs> but let's just say hypothetically, it's, it's hypothetically right. the wine sellers yeah. all of a sudden there are these restrictions being, uh, you know, suggested for imposed them, right? You know, them. imposed upon them now. And they're, are we going to go and and we're going to advocate for you know the wine sellers, right? Yeah. You know, we're going to come out and say, hey, you know, again, it's one thing to say like, having the freedom to do something, right, under a secular state, you know, and, and it's a difference between that and then you saying that listen. You know, you should you shouldn't have such an attitude. You know, you shouldn't dislike. 
you know, what you see, mm-hmm. you know, and this is what I see that I feel that a lot of times some of our sort of quote unquote activists are doing is that they're actually kind of calling Muslims to actually to give up a sense of distaste, a natural distaste that we're supposed to have for certain types of vice, right? right? And then embrace, have a full embrace of, of other people's lifestyle, right? you know, and, um, and, uh, and I can tell you some some other things I won't tell you because there's some private conversations I have with some people who are really troubling in yeah. that particular regard. That's right. But, um, um, but, but when it comes to the black community, we're coming back to that. Yeah. Um, as we talked about, it's not a monolith. Um, uh, another thing I think the Muslim community needs to understand about the black experience in America is that right from the very beginning, in a sense, the end of slavery, that, or even actually before the end of slavery, there were basically two sort of paradigms that developed in the, in the African-American community. One was that, that uh, okay, of the separatist paradigm, listen, let's go back to Africa, let's get, these people don't want us here, oh, yeah. let's find our way back there, or, or Latin America, let's go somewhere else, right, right. You know, so we can live and flourish. The other opi- opinion was of the integrationist um, right. um, opinion, which actually was spearheaded, or perhaps you would say was um, largely led by like Frederick Douglass. You know, that was his position. Now, his friend, his colleague, Martin Delaney, was of the, the opposite uh, right. view. And, and Martin Delaney was, um, he was the, a Harvard-educated um, physician who actually was had a very, very high position in Lincoln's army. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was right there with uh, Frederick Douglass. We don't hear about him, That's but right. his position is that, listen, you know, let's get out of here to go somewhere else. Yeah. All right, so we've had these two paradigms in the in the Black American community Always. for for a very long time, That's right. right? And you see, for instance, if you compare Martin to early early, Mal, early Malcolm, and then of course the. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Right. You see that Martin was about integration, Malcolm's about separate, you know, but separating, That's right? right? Yeah, and, but it even goes back before then. Booker T. Washington was about nationalist separatists yeah. of uh, being separatists, and there are others, you know, who are like right. let, let's be Marcus concerned Garvey. with civil rights, yeah. right? Marcus yeah. Garvey was, you yeah. know, he was from Jamaica originally, you know, but he, yeah, he was definitely one but of those also an advocate of yeah. advocate of, of of going back to Africa, right? Right. right. So right. you still have those sentiments here, and that. One of the, I guess you would say, one of the fundamental um, distinction, distinct, distinct, distinguishing uh, characteristics of of the integrationist and the separatist uh, paradigms uh-huh. is that the separatist nationalist paradigm emphasizes like self help, self empowerment. Mm, right now, right. you know, it's totally against victimology. Okay. Right? And in one sense, you can kind of put like the sec- the conservative blacks in that category. I was going to say because well. what's interesting right. is that yeah. whole idea of right. you know right. picking oneself up by their right. bootstraps. Right. That's yeah. become now kind of a conservative trope. Right, right, right. It's like where's the integrationist? Right, exactly. Yeah. In the integrationist yeah. paradigm, you find you'll find the opposite. It's yeah. all about listen. We are victims. You know, right. racism, racism, right. racism, right. racism. Right. right. You know. Gotcha. Yeah. Even though Martin Luther King didn't only talk about racism, he talked about the, the church three the three evils of society. Racism was just one of them. He That's talked right. about you know hyper materialism. He also talked about the uh, military industrial yeah. complex, right? That's you know, right. but we rarely focus on the other two. Mm-hmm. You know, but black black people racism is not the only thing that black people need to be concerned with. Yeah. Right, you follow me? Yeah. You know, and so I think that we sort of miss the mark when we only focus on that. And the same thing, Muslims have to be very careful not to make the same mistake. Right. You know, I mean well of course black Muslims too, but I mean like you know, non black Muslims. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I guess I kind of by way of uh, wrapping up this conversation, uh, you know, we, we we've we touched on it earlier. You are now faculty at Zaytuna College. Yes. Uh, I think it's important to kind of mention that. Um, 
uh, are do you see uh, among the sort of course offerings that you're offering mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. as the college begins to expand mm -hmm. beyond just sort of your Sharia training? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, are you wanting to have like have classes that focus on, or are you presently yeah, having classes that focus on these issues? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll, I've already written an article in the uh, Renovatio, the uh, oh great the um, the um, journal, the new journal the for new. Zaytuna College uh, right. called Beyond Racism. You know, so I've already sort of introduced at least a, well, I tried to start a conversation about that. Um, I'm not totally sure, certain that Jayton will ever, like, make it a major focus because it's a liberal arts yeah. uh, college focused on, you know, that in addition to Islamic law and theology. But naturally, in um, our conversations, uh, in classes like family law, classes like um, inheritance law, you know, right. certain things will come up. And so, right. and there are some very difficult issues that you have to have conversations about. Yeah. I'm about difficult dealing with the that. difficult <laughs> issues. I'm only about that. You're always yeah. about that. And it's not, and it's not because I just like controversy. Yeah. You know, it's not because of that. It's because I believe that the only way that you get Muslims to have conviction about their deen is actually help them to work through the things that they struggle with. That's right. You have That's to have right. a conversation about it. You That's know? right. You know, That's so right. like, you know, if, if they've never heard about, like, for instance, the age of Aisha, or they never heard about the hidden verse, they never heard about slavery in Islam, you understand? Absolutely. All those things come up or... Right. There, there are a number of issues right, that we right. can talk about. You know, you, know, you have to have a conversation with them how to help them to work absolutely. through. Absolutely, and, and I think there's a fascinating yeah. trend mm -hmm. that we're beginning yeah. to see yeah. within the community. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of like safe space yeah. and, and third spaces mm -hmm. and so on yes, that emerged. Right. Like, hey, let's not mm -hmm. ruffle any feathers. Right, right. Let's mm -hmm. like, and I feel like mm -hmm. because we've made this shift towards mm -hmm. almost in reaction to mm -hmm. like mosques being exclusive and things mm -hmm. I mean real concerns right, right. Mm -hmm. but I feel like again with the conversation mm -hmm. I was saying earlier mm -hmm. we're going we're almost running in the opposite direction yes, which right. is now yeah. Yeah. everything has to be handled hand yeah, handled yeah. with kid gloves yeah, right. we can't have those mm -hmm. thorny yeah. conversations anymore because yeah, right. you might offend somebody yeah, right. or you might scare someone off mm -hmm. or you might uh, you know chase you know like the the, the the space won't be safe, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. snowflake, whatever you right, want to call right, it, yeah, right? Totally, yeah. Characterization, <laughs> however you want to characterize it, and and I'm all, I mean, I'm all for inclusive spaces. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've shared my own personal affiliation with Tatlib, so I mean, that's kind of like my, you know, I, I have that on my resume, as it were. But at the same time, I feel like. The danger I'm seeing is that oftentimes we don't want to talk about these right. issues exactly because exactly. they are they are uncomfortable. Right. So right. That, that's great that the right. college sees itself as yeah. a as a way right. of right. of preparing students for. Yes. That. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, because it's a very you know right now it's a very um, troubling time, yeah. and a very confusing time for. Right. Especially for young people, right. especially for young people. I mean, we grew up. We didn't have like all these devices and, yeah. and the Facebook and Twitter and yeah. Snapchat and Absolutely. you know you know there's all the internet crap. Right. Yes, they're right. out there. You know, Social I don't have media to mention those, right? You know, and the pitfalls there. there. Yeah, there's a lot of it. We didn't have that when we were growing up, Absolutely and I not. think it's easier for us to say, you know what, pull away from this. Right. right. But from from when they first come out of the the womb, it's like it's all, all automatically right. they're already. Right. You know, using these devices, and eventually they're gonna they're gonna um, discover the internet. Uh, and um, how do you um, how do you keep them from be developing uh, developing like uh, addiction mm -hmm. to things that become very destructive yeah. to their behavior, yeah. uh, um, and they sort of blur their sense of reality. Right. Uh, um, and uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's a major challenge for parents you right. know, at this time. And, and then and you know, we have to have some compassion on, on the kids too, because it's not. 
completely their fault that you know a lot of those things happen so um for them it's like yeah. second nature i mean it just right. like you said they right out of the womb they're I mean, right. that's what they're right. introduced to. my son he's, well, right. I, I mean, again i'm, I'm not t- talking that way it's just to say like you know no, i'm, I'm right. guiltless <laughs> right. Right. you know but it's like you know my he plays, plays his games. Sometimes you like to watch, you know, but I have the kids YouTube for right. him, you know. I mean, but even, even some even of that as is old like, as my you know, 15-year-old, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and again, you have a teenager too. I mean, mm-hmm. they came of age where this technology and, mm-hmm. and social media mm-hmm. was just there. It yeah. was not even an option. Mm-hmm. Like, we right. still belong to that generation, mm-hmm. probably the last of our generation, mm-hmm. uh, of, of generation, at least for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. where we had, where it came later. And yeah, we had the yeah. choice mm-hmm. to adopt or not adopt, adept mm-hmm. or not, you know. Whereas uh, subsequent generations now, they're just born. I mean, that's, and, and it happened more slowly. I mean, the right. it was yes, today right. is not the internet from twenty years ago. Right. right. I mean, right. I mean, hey, just, we, just the the patience of sitting through your modem through your modem dialing up. I was going to say, that's you know, right. I, yeah, I right, mean, right. I was talking about this with my students. Right. Mm-hmm. The idea of the internet just being mm-hmm. it's all around you. It's mm-hmm. like the force. Like it's just, <laughs> you can act. I mean, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right, because right. because twenty yeah. years ago you yeah. would go home and you would sit down and you would act and then you would log off the internet. Right. You were that's cut right. off. That's not. Yeah. an option anymore yeah. that's right yeah. when I was studying in Morocco I, I, one time a week I would go to the internet, internet cafe, cafe. Right, I was right, going right, to say right, talk right. about that's gone yeah. by that's yeah. gone by way of the dodo yeah. and, and, and blockbuster yeah. video Dude, I mean every, <laughs> every time is internet yeah. time it's not exactly yeah. Yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so uh, anyway, thank you so much for I think we've you know this is amazing we, we covered uh, a, lot a lot of ground but it was all yeah. uh, incredibly engrossing so thank you so much now I do know you are on social media uh, do you mind people <laughs> engaging you there where can people find now you that, now that we've decried <laughs> the evils of social media uh, um I, I I'm on Twitter yeah. um under Dr. Abdullah Adi yeah bin Hamid at uh Bin Habid Ali dot Ali at gmail dot com. You know, my, as your email address. It's my email address connected okay. to that. Of course, um, I have my Facebook page as well. I yeah. actually have a few different Facebook pages. You know, under Bin Hamid Ali or this. It's probably diff- more difficult for people to get onto that. Well, one because, tell them about the public one. You know, yeah, yeah, the public yeah, one is, yeah. is, is uh, Abdullah Bin Hamid Ali. The go. whole the whole name, uh-huh. or just Sheikh Abdullah Bin Hamid Ali. Yeah. Um, don't expect uh, quick answers. You know, if anybody is ever um, write writes to me, yeah. you know, you know, I actually, even though it actually looks like I'm more than more than I'm, I'm actually on it. Uh, so I've, I've been trying to develop a, a type of discipline where I'm, I don't spend this much time on it. So, so you might see a lot of posts from me, but that doesn't mean that I'm actually there, like watching out for comments and things like that. Right. You know? So, Correct. so I'm just I'm, I'm posting, you know, from my phone when I read an article, things like that, or I see a video on a regular basis. No, but generally, um, um, I try my best to limit my internet use. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, and uh, any. Uh, like writings or things that people can access that are out there in the public. I mean, you mentioned. Oh yeah, you can go to my website, lamppostproductions.com. Thank you. Yeah, lamppostproductions.com. There is a blog right now, and, and it hopefully we'll be able to update it to a regular website. It's easier to actually right. search, uh, but you can go under this one particular link. This is American Voices, and if you go under my name, I have a, a number of articles I've written uh, listed there. Now, some of the media content on that site is like a subscription model. Um, people can yeah, subscribe. Right, exactly right. So you people can, can subscribe. subscribe right, there's some great content right. on there. I mean, Dr. Jackson, some, a lot of the people we've talked about, right. Dr. Blankenship, yes, Dr. Right. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this, now this conference, will mm-hmm. that be available? Uh, the conference, inshallah, yes, it will okay. be available hopefully by the, by tomorrow. Inshallah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just okay. talked to, to Brother Khalil uh, just, uh, on the way over here. So. Got it. 
And that will be available through Lamppost Productions. Yeah, through Lamppost as well. Again, okay, wonderful. So people can find that out as well. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Sure. Ali. It's been, been a real pleasure. Sure, same here. And with that, as we wrap things up, Pervez, why don't you tell people about our Patreon page? That's right. So uh, we've been getting some uh, great support, uh, at least you know initially when we launched the page uh, a few weeks ago. So thank you for those people who have gone on to the Patreon page. Uh, and, and, and become a patron. So you can go to uh, patreon.com slash diffuse congruence and you can become a monthly patron of the show. And uh, you know, and you can read about all the wonderful things that we'd like to do with the money that, 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 that we are able to um, uh, glean from that, from that endeavor. But uh, please do go to our Patreon page and support the podcast. Um, every little bit helps. And so, um, you know, and for those who've already gone on there, thank you so much. Um, you can reach out to us on, as always, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash diffuse congruence. Um, and uh, you can email us with any questions, comments, feedback at diffuse congruence at gmail.com. You can find Zucky on his Twitter, and his social media presence is... So my, my Twitter is at Zucky's Corner, Z-A-K-I-S Corner. If you want to go to my website, just add a .com. And uh, again, just to reiterate, if you are liking uh, what we're doing, what we have been doing for, for coming up on six years now, uh, just coming up on five years now... Uh, Time flies. It, it does, yeah. But uh, not that fast. Uh, again, if you're liking what we're doing... Uh, ha- what we have been doing for coming up on five years now, please kick a few coins into our collection plate. Uh, it's not going into our pocket. The goal is to make this show the best it can be, upgrade our equipment, and also uh, hopefully uh, allow us to to reach the guests that we think would make the, the most impact uh, to you, our listeners. So thank you again for all of your support over the years, and we would appreciate whatever more support you can give us. That's right. So uh, on behalf of my co-host, Pervez Ahmed, my name is Zaki Hassan. This has been Diffuse Congruence, and uh, catch you next time. Thanks for listening.